figured out all the questions I ever had in my life, except how gravity works. So I said to her, OK, I think this year I'll try and have a go at gravity, because clearly people are looking at the problem the wrong way. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grime America show. We are going to be chatting with Maurice Cotterell a little bit later about just about everything under the sun. <laughs> I actually had to cut out because my babysitting time ran out, so Graham had to finish it up on his own. But it's a good one. Um, of course, first, as always, Graham Pessimist Dunlop. Oh, fuck. You know why he says that? Why? You know why? I know why you're saying that because <clears throat> you're all hyped up on these leaks about the, yeah. the about the election. I just don't think it's. I'm not being pessimistic. I'm being realistic that nothing's really going to change. The media won't touch it, and it's not going. Nothing's going to happen. Flushing the toilet. It's time to flush the toilet. So I don't know. I'd like to. Man, hey, I'm excited. Like, I am excited. I wish something would happen, but I feel like you know. You know, being a disclosure advocate and all, I'm always just waiting for that fucking bomb to drop. Well, that's happening too. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's Turns all part of Podesta's it. emailing about fucking UFOs all the time. <laughs> oh, that is pretty funny. Actually, this is how it all happens. Uh, we've got a listener that's going through all of them. And really? Fucking, yeah. He's going through and posting links to all of them. Huh. I think he's found five or six emails. Oh, I got so a couple. That's my UFO quote of the week. Is a couple emails here. They talk about yeah. UFOs or yeah, I got them for you here. Yeah. I've been following. I've been paying attention to my my Stephen Bassett disclosure emails, and they've got them all listed there. Oh yeah, they would for sure. Yeah, and we should welcome Mike here too. Mike from Vancouver, a buddy of ours. He's uh, joining us for this intro. How's how's it going there, Mike? Hey, great. How are you? With you? Yeah, good. Good. It's good to finally connect like this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We spend too much time texting back and forth, and don't get a chance to to have these long interrupted chats. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, this is good. Yeah, for sure. So, um, have you been paying attention to this this WikiLeaks shit? Yeah, but I'm just waiting for something really big. Well, that's why Darren's all excited. There's so much stuff there, but I'm just like, what is it? You know, that's really gonna get everybody interested so they so the media has to pay attention to it <laughs> that's what darren that's what darren says is coming tomorrow i think yeah, yeah i think when trump starts bringing it up at the debate tomorrow there's not going to be any choice but to pay attention and that's where i was getting all pessimistic well, saying that he's maybe he won't bring it up in the debate like we don't even know that trump is re real yet really i mean he seems like it but you know could be part of the whole the whole thing here but um the the interesting thing is by the time this comes out, unfortunately, it'll be like Friday and, uh, you know, yeah. the debate will have happened and, and uh, maybe, uh, you know, number three, four and five and six videos will be, be out as well. Who knows what the fuck's going to happen by the time this comes out. Yeah. Release everybody's videos. We won't be allowed to watch them though. That'd be illegal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Darren, what happened with that WikiLeaks thing then with the with the uh disconnection of the internet and all that? I don't know. They said it was because uh states put pressure on Ecuador. Really? Yeah. Did he get it back? I don't know. He must have figured something. I think he's got like some a sat phone and a couple other solutions. 
Does he think you know he'd be if he wouldn't be hiding out in Ecuador if they if they can? Just He's not in Ecuador. He's in him. London. No, no, I know. I mean, in the Ecuadorian embassy, isn't he? Or? Well, yeah, they're protecting him, but this, if, I mean, it's the states. They can fucking put quite a bit of pressure on a little country like Ecuador, I can imagine. Like sanctions well, they said, uh, and it was, shit. It was uh, John Kerry when they were negotiating in Colombia over the, the FARC thing. That, you know, they got that kind of a civil war going on down there. So they managed to do something with that, I think. All right. They negotiated to, to get rid of him, I guess. Yeah. Huh. Hey, do you want to do, can we do the thing in the spare bedroom? Uh, I think there's a bed in there. Lisa's going to get it ready. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think we can do it on a bed. It has to be the floor and stuff. Like could probably go in the living room. Well, that's, well, can we do it in the studio here? We could do it in the studio. We'll do it in the living room. Okay. Sorry, Mike, we're just talking about this light, light, uh, light device or brainwave entrainment where we got the guys from the float life coming in. To do a podcast oh, right with on. them, and we're going to use that uh, Pandora Star uh, Deep State meditative device. I think I used something really, but similar to that. It was down at a float tank here, and it was on tour, and it was like it was supposed to be like DMT. So I'm like, I'm there. Yeah. And then I was staring <laughs> at the light, and I got all these visuals. Yeah. No yeah. sort of emo, nothing emotional. It was just all visuals. Right. But other people were going in there, and he said people were coming back the next day and crying, saying it was the most important experience in my life. And wow! So uh, it, it never happens for me. I need to get. <laughs> I need to get. Uh, I need to get pretty stoned first. Because no, you're not. No, I, I don't think you should. No, I it's fucking try. intense, man. It's really intense. They this is going to be synced leave, with music they say as I well. I can leave the body. It can't be more intense than fucking eating a whack of magic mushrooms. Yeah, it can be. It's bright lights flashing through your Monroe third eye. Instrument music. Monroe Institute music. Oh, I'm going to go out of my body. He shouldn't have told me that if he didn't want me to smoke dope first. So, Mike, oh, I guess it's too late now. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so this was, you were sitting in a chair, though, and this thing was in front of your face? Yeah, this was like, I'm real bad with time. I couldn't even tell if it was last year or the year before. I think it might have been two years ago. But, yeah, it was like... Uh, I went into the float place and they put me in the massage chair first because that was part, you know, relax. Oh, that's a good idea. I went to the other room and, and then I was like, yeah, I think I was kind of in one of those real, it was kind of like a massage chair. Built, I can't remember actually, but it was, <laughs> all I remember this thing was spinning and I'm staring at it and I think my eyes were closed. Yeah, my eyes were closed. And then all of a sudden you get all this sort of weird, like the colors were intense. It was amazing. But honestly, I was, I was underwhelmed. Yeah. 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 No, I know. I know what you it's mean. My I, personal. Yeah. It reminds me of acid in the nineteen early nineteen nineties, right? Like you know, you, you, people would be talking about this cartoon acid, and I was always thinking, oh, maybe I'll like see like. I remember you know. those days too. And you know, like it was never as yeah. like as good as we hoped. People right? see was, Daffy Duck, yeah. bro. Yeah, <laughs> bullshit. I don't know. I had some pretty good mushroom trips. I guess my mom can't hear this episode. Yeah, I know. I was thinking the same thing. No, mom, just, don't listen. Is your mom a listener? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but it's not about Daffy Duck anyway. Yeah. So, um, what was what else was I going to say about the the WikiLeaks thing and all that? Eh? Well, hmm, it's hey. interesting. Well, do you see what they got on the front page there right now? They're saying that uh, they're they're trying to accuse uh, Assange of pedophilia and taking a million dollars from Russia. That's, of course, they're going to go there. Yeah. Yeah. Does he have any yeah. documents? 
I don't know. It's on their it's on WikiLeaks Twitter feed right now. I just I didn't really see what it's all about, but they they posted it, so something's going on. They definitely seem like he must. They he must have something that they're pissed about. Be- oh yeah, because he, he must. Otherwise, like they haven't there? put this kind of pressure on or in fucking ages, and they seem fucking pissed about it. Yeah, they have a whole bunch of stuff ready to go against him and Trump. It seems like. And then, mm-hmm. like, I don't even, this. I, I haven't been a huge follower of po- Project Veritas, so I'm not sure exactly where they came from or how long he's been around. I've seen that guy before, but, I mean, I hope he's not just Is that the guy dude. that did the Planned Parenthood thing? Yeah, I think that is the same yeah. guy that fucking got that undercover video, and now he's got a bunch of vid- undercover video of them conspiring to commit voter fraud. It was that was yeah. pretty good. The thing where they said, "Well, we've been bussing people around for forty or for decades, fifty years for, 50 for you fuckers years. or something." That's pretty. To beat you that's pretty bad. And well, what was Buddy got fired. Buddy got fired. He got fired twelve hours after the, the leak came up. So that YouTube video got three million views in twenty four hours, and is trending in like every country except the USA. And Twitter, <laughs> Twitter refuses to fucking let, let WikiLeaks or Veritas trend. Yeah, yeah, because Twitter. The closest I seen today was that they let Podesta emails trend for a bit before they figured out what it was and then shut it down. It's really highlighting how fucked it. It's fucking is. well. It's even really like me and me and we're having a conversation today, and he's just like, "Wow." He's like, "You know, you always expect it's a little fucked up," but, but he's like. Who knew it was going to be this fucked up? So to me, if like if people like that at my work are having that kind of thing that I would never expect to have even heard of it, then that's to me when it seems to be starting to to break through. It's starting to break through, and it's happening way faster and way more suddenly than I ever expected it to. That's what could be really interesting is people don't know how fast this they can don't happen. have time to fucking brace for it, and you can't tell what's well, going to be when the aliens show up. Well, that's what that's what was funny because we were just laughing about that, right? This is when disclosure happens, right? When it's all about to break. Yeah, yeah. yeah we got uh, they come to fix everything for us <laughs> after <laughs> after the WikiLeaks internet goes down, the aliens show up. Right before the, the, the nuclear war that they keep propagating all over the media, as if uh, America is going to nuke Russia. I mean, this is just getting stupid. Or U.S. just nukes Russia. Obama nukes Russia to cover up his own involvement in the scandal. <laughs> I wonder, like, who knows how deep it goes? Like, you know, all these fuckers are corrupt. Everyone, they're all these fuckers are getting rich. All of them. I'd love to see the whole yeah. system just come crumbling down. Well, you, well, if you know, this it's guy... to the point that they're like, okay, everybody fucking out, and we're starting from scratch. Yeah, the whole Congress and everything all gets revoted in. You know, it's huge reform. <laughs> Yeah, what's positive to me is that, you know how we're, we've heard about these videos coming out in the last little while, but... Yeah, and it's not about a Trump but, or a Hillary thing, but, it's about fucking the truth. No, but now they are coming out. Like, you know, it's good that they are coming out, and if they if he's truthful about that, and they're, they are coming out, then maybe they'll start to come out every day, and they'll be worse and worse, like he says. They're After be, shit on Trump, fucking dump that shit out, too. Dump it all out. Yeah, let, let it let's all out. Let's see, when everyone's interested, it, let's let see what the fuck there is going on everywhere. Yeah, but like, uh, That's good idea. like our media monarchy guy that we just had on recently, it'll be coming out in a couple of weeks. He says, you know, they choose our enemies for us. So you got to be careful with that as well. Right. 
This could be controlled disinformation. It could. It, I guess it, it doesn't oh, it seem always like it. could be, but it's tough. It it's tough when like it's it. like, yeah. you know, it's almost like it, it's communication and the sharing of information is so instantaneous now and for so many people it's like its own that it just can't be fucking Stop. like you can try you can try i think that's what i mean right now none of the news channels are playing these fucking videos except for fox maybe because fox has the foresight to see that the fucking enough people are going to watch the videos to think that you're fucking bullshit right like at what point are people like it's supposed to be over 90 percent of people already have lost or are losing faith in trusting the mainstream news yeah. networks so at what point does it not even bother doing the news anymore because nobody's watching and then what choice do you have but to change the way change it you know i mean as, as corrupt as the system can be and all that at the end of the day if nobody we watches. still have the power to change it if nobody watches the fucking news guess what they're gonna fucking change the news because they can't you know well, i mean you know at some point there's negative effects, but you can't keep watching the news and, and expect there to be change. You can't keep buying yeah. fucking shit that's made in China and expect shit to change. You want shit to change and put your money where your fucking mouth is and go buy something that's made in some place where, you know, it was done sustainably or fucking... Locally or whatever, yeah. Yeah, or fucking, what's the word? Well, it's um, like people humanely. that are always complaining about that stuff. I ask them, I go, well, have you ever invested in any of these companies? They need capital, right? No. Yeah, or do you, well, at least yeah, even if you can't afford your that, your spend money. your money there. Spend your money. Yeah. Spend a couple bucks more, and don't go to Walmart then. If you're going to complain about corporate corporate corporatization, yeah, then don't go to corporations. Go around. I mean, it's tough yeah. when you don't have any money, but but you know that everything the media plays is for a reason, right? There's a reason why, and it could be very subtle and indirect, or it could be very direct. But there's an agenda behind everything that they show on the news. Well, didn't Obama say that he wanted to start a, a rating system for news media the other day? Oh, my God. Google's already, Google's already coming out with it. Google's coming out with fact no, check. It's, it's oh, that a, was fast. No, it's a, it's a fucking... <laughs> didn't, didn't I make a note of this, Darren? I was supposed they to make a note of this. They said fact check's coming out, like, soon. Watch. Let Google. me... Let me uh, there's a name for it. The International Fact Checking something or other. Imagine what... So don't fucking even pay attention to that at all. Google News to highlight fact-check stories two days ago, just in time for the U.S. presidential election. Google is rolling out fact-check tag. Well, that was, yeah. Well, what, look, amazing timing. So that everything WikiLeaks cannot be... Because, I, yeah, no, Google's probably just some fucking cover for some NSA fucking... Oh, yeah. Oh, they're out across, yeah. you know? Where, anyway, where I just think, if nothing else, it seems like we're closer than we've ever been to having some real break for, breakthrough into the fucking corruption. The International Fact-Checking Network. <laughs> That's what it's called. Like, people are going to believe that, imagine. Oh. Or the IFCN. For <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're approved. It's Grimerica. Sponsored by Soros. Yeah, the International Fact-Checking Grimerica Nation. What would the... G American Third Party Synchronicity Rating Authority GTPSRA. Yeah, GTPSRA. Internal National Fact Checking. Think about our synchronicities. 
fucking, we're going to be banned from the internet. Yeah, I know, we won't. Well, that's a risk. It's just a matter that's a of risk. time. Yeah, and we don't well, have any, we should have had ads all along if we're going to be banned. Nah, Corporate sponsors and portals and all that stuff. Find us on the dark web. We'll record CDs and hand out CDs. CDs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Mike, we, Mike, this, uh, this guy, Maurice Cotterell, that's coming on the show tonight, uh, we have, he, we talked a lot about uh, fucking gravity and how that works. He says he's got it all figured out. It's super interesting. Got indigestion. He's got visual. Yeah, I know. Because you know what? I'm about to start talking about in the, uh, leaky, leaky gut. gut. So your gut started leaking. Yeah. So and yeah, we also I'm really into that right now. That's, yeah. Yeah, we also get into leaky gut. So it's uh, I want you really want you to listen because when Darren left, we went on and on about leaky gut for quite a while, and, and I don't know. I was having a hard time with some of it, man. He's like talking about how you know you're losing weight and your fat cells. Uh, you know, get demolished and the toxins come out and they affect your brain and give you headaches and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, I don't know. That's when you're losing weight. When yeah, you're, yeah. Yeah, so it's like when you're detoxing, you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how, how was your, uh, what was your investigation to leaky gut? Well, I just got a family member who's got heart failure right now. And uh, so, you know, I'm always into health and stuff and anti-aging and I started... And really, this leaky gut thing is kind of a, it's been a big thing for a while. I never really got into it. I don't know why, but started reading up on it and it's, it just blew my mind about how it's related to, you know, all the diseases, autoimmunity, even my uh, my sister's heart. It's like, I've went on to PubMed, which is a site where you get all these studies that yep. are done are all kind of put there. And yep. uh, all the newest stuff last year, heart failure, they've gone in and they've checked people with heart failure and the worse the heart failure is, the worse the dysbiosis is in their gut. Like it just goes hand in hand with that. So it's like, what came first? And it's probably the gut problems come first. Wow. Wow. See, I think and I... she's gone and she talked to our doctors about it. They go, it's got nothing to do with that. And I'm like, well, Harvard, you know, this year says it does. So, you know, that's our, you know, that's healthcare. It's like 10 years behind or 20. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Yeah. How do you check that gut yeah. shit then? How do well, you, you how do I how do uh, I find out a, the shape of my gut? What's the first thing I should do? There's a site called uh, it's U Biome. I'll send it to you guys. I'll give you a fifteen percent deduction. U, <laughs> U Biome. I just signed up on it yesterday. Anyways, how much is it going to cost uh, me to buy them? <laughs> What's that? How much it? is it going to cost me to buy them? I think it's eighty nine bucks That's to get your uh, to get your gut uh, checked, and they tell you what's in there. And uh, do they scope me? Yeah, you can me? get three of them. So you, What's that? Do they scope me? I don't know how they do it. Like, like, like physically? Scope yeah, like how do they, how do you get, what do they, they send did you do it? to you and you, you sample your stool and send it back, I think. That's the way it works. Oh, jeez. Yeah, you probably got to do it like, I think you do it multiple times a day for like three days in a row or something. You think? Yeah, yeah I'm not I sure. Heard, I heard somebody else talking about this. You haven't done this. it yet? No, I haven't done it yet. I'm going to do my, my coffee enema first. What's that? Where you well, spray why you coffee see what it's like butt? before you cure yourself? What? So you <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> Where you spray coffee? Like you you see what, coffee what up your butt like before you. Yeah, do the do the before and that's real biohacking, right? Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, Dan, I want to hear what Graham. I want to hear what Graham said. It's a coffee enema. Okay, so what is that? You, you want to explain it, Mike? No, 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 no. I want you to explain it. <laughs> I've never done it. I want Graham to explain what he's going to do. You lie on your side. Have you done this already? <laughs> no, I'm gonna though. When are you doing it? <laughs> I don't know. He does it every night. Are you gonna tape it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it after I get my gut biome checked, maybe. 
You should do it before, before yeah. your enema. And again, that's what I'm saying. That's what Mike's saying. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah. So you should do it now. Well, you know what? Can you, you do it now? Take some stool tonight I, and throw it in the fridge, and there you go. I have some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I have coffee right here. Yeah. Do you want no, to lie on the floor? No, no, you need a lot of it. Like, oh. yeah, you need like a whole pot. <laughs> what? <laughs> you need a sample from all, all the way up the intestine. Yeah. Yeah. Is it hot coffee? <laughs> no, it's cold. I, I think it's cold, eh, Mike? Or is it warm? Uh, I don't know. I've never done it. So, Mike's, playing, so Mike's playing dumb now. The only time I've ever heard him play dumb. Are you going to funnel? <laughs> yeah, you kind of you you get squirt up there, and then you hang on to it for a while, you right? squirt it up there? Well, I think so. Or you let it... Sure? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> and, then wow. you, and then you hold it in for a while, like five or ten minutes, and then you let it out, and it cleans out your tummy. Have you, is this real? You're going to end up fucking killing yourself. No, 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 no. It's been, it's put, been if you put proven that much to be super helpful. In your ass, you would die. I'm not, this is just coffee. Which is caffeine. Yeah, that's okay. You so can have deca- you can do decaffeinated ones if you want. Or you, can, you can get the caffeine out. high if you want. Oh my God. I cannot, you never fucking cease to amaze me. I don't know how you do it. I don't want to be present, but I would like to, uh, some evidence or something? Some evidence of the coffee in it. Okay. I'll, I'll, I think I'll take some pictures. We should put it on the YouTube channel. We should, you should video it. Like, you, maybe we could, we blur, blur, blur out, blur there. out your fucking asshole. <laughs> so, sorry, we, we stepped on Mike in the story. Really sorry, Mike. It's okay. Get back to, you can get back to your, uh, sorry to yeah. interrupt, but so, I, I didn't expect to hear that today. So keep going about your research. Where was I? Oh, uh, you were at the testing for the for the the, the gut, right? The bot. You were going to send us a link about the oh, U, yeah. U biome, and then and then what? Yeah, yeah, I'll send that to you. I'm going to do it too. Uh, I don't know, maybe next week or so on payday. But that, I mean, if you could do that, get your gut checked, and at the and then get all your vitamins and minerals level checked and with those two things, I think you would have a pretty good idea what's if you're healthy or not. Because if you got a bad gut, you're not going to be absorbing those things. There's actually a place in Vancouver here. You get all your vitamins and minerals checked for a hundred bucks. Oh, really? I mean, that's way better, cheaper than going than going to a naturopath and spending like six hundred dollars before you get any results of anything back. Yeah, I'd like to. That that's you know that's cheap for less than like two hundred bucks. You could get kind of your A to B check, A to Z. Exactly right. Say. Yeah, you can. It's kind of a hack. You know, you forget the naturopath. Even I'll just look at it myself. We should just go with Z. I really do prefer Z over Z. Uh, so, so this bleaky gut does seem to affect a lot. Like he talks about it affecting your pituitary gland, and it even gets into your pineal gland. It causes insomnia, adrenal fatigue, like all kinds of toxemia. Like it's 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 crazy. Well, it's like everything. This stuff is not supposed to be in your bloodstream. That's what it comes down to. And once it's there, your body starts attacking it, and it's going to attack it all throughout your body. So it's more of a blood test. Is it a blood food? test for leaky gut then? I don't no, even know what type of testing it is. I think it's stool. I think it is stool. Do you think Americans know we say Z instead of Z? Yeah. They do. They know about those. Do they? I, I think you, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are pretty surprised. We just, we just fucking blew some people's minds. No. Z? Z top? Don't we say ZZ Top? Do they say ZZ Top? No, we say Z. They oh, do say we? Z. Do, do we? we? I never do said ZZ Top. ZZ Top. 
But but no, I mean in Canada we say Z instead yeah. of Z. X Y and Z. Yeah. yeah. Did that change yeah. at some point? No. Can we stay on topic here? We don't have to talk about the alphabet. Well, you said Z instead of Z. Is this a Mandela effect? Are we in an alternate universe? <laughs> Maybe it is Z, and I'm just fucking had a bad dream one day. Zed. Yeah. It is Zed, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. So, so is it Kalur? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's French. So, anyways, what were you saying? Yeah, well, the. So what are you, are you looking at like ways to fix that as well? Cause this, this, we talk about, um, man, you think like rice pudding, like really altered, altering your diet, like fixing it, like, because apparently it grows back every five to seven days. And, uh, so you got to try and do like a, almost like a quick repair job in a way, and then start eating, rice of, like changing your diet again for, for a long Nothing time and then rice like rebuilding it and weeks. rebuilding your gut. Yeah, well, there's a few, there's, you know, there's certain species of bacteria. There's one called Ackermansia unisophilia or something like that. And it's, uh, it's like 2 to 5% of the human gut, but it eats the mucin, like the mucus lining in the gut. Right. And by doing that, it's actually healthy for some reason. It eats it, but it's doing, it's like protecting it at the same time. And people who are obese have 3,000% less of this one certain type wow and these and these bugs they eat uh they really thrive on polyphenols so anything with color like blueberries or pomegranates and things like this right and they they actually uh they go up really high when you fast because all the other bugs they need stuff to eat in there but these ones survive on the mucin so they're doing fine when you're starving and they actually kind of go up and the other ones go down so fat that's another way fasting probably works hmm Fuck fast. Yeah, that's interesting. Intermittent fasting, then. So, yeah. what about this? This what about uh, toxicity from fat cells being you know sliced and and burning? You, yeah, you I don't. I don't know much about you did, that. You didn't I mean, feel like when, when you lost all that weight, did you feel headaches at all? Or uh, a little bit. I didn't feel good. I remember when I I fasted a few times. People said you're going to feel so amazing. You know, after like so many days, and I felt like shit pretty much all the time. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. eating will do so, that. Yeah, exactly. It's, no, but a lot of people uh, are I, saying I never enjoy dieting. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and people are always like, "Oh, you'll feel yeah, it's it's great." No, it's well, not for me. <laughs> Maybe I got extra poison. Those people are liars. No, no, there's people, Darren, that have been fasting, and they say that after, after what is it, Mike, like three or four days, once you get past that thing, that that you actually end up with a bunch of energy and that uh, you sort of feel a lot cleaner? Yeah. yeah, it never happened to me. Yeah, I actually felt amazing when I quit the fast. At one time, I fasted for 11 days, and then when I, I, I gave up at noon at work, I left, and I went to Subway and had a foot long and three cookies. Went home, felt them like just you could feel. I could just feel it digesting. It's amazing. And then like it was like just a few days later. I swear I was. I felt uh, like a little satori. It was like a, I felt almost high for about three months after that. I once converted a vegetarian. Well, not converted, but he slipped up on my delicious fucking. I think it was actually just a sausage, and he was just really hungry, and I was making it look real good. And uh, he just like grabbed it off my plate. Oh, started fucking eating it. Unbelievable! I couldn't believe it. They know deep down that they need it. <laughs> yeah. 
So what else? You be, would you consider yourself a biohacker then? Like what else have you been trying? No, no. Biohackers, you know, they actually they, track they shit. They actually they measure shit? Randomly do shit. <laughs> <laughs> hodgepodge. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not an organized person. So, uh, you know, that stuff. I just try everything. I don't even, I'm taking like 30 supplements. I don't even know what the hell's working. Is anything working? Yeah, he's, he's, you yeah. know. Yeah, but you know, I mean, you've tried this uh, these uh, ketones and stuff, and you've lost a bit of weight from that, and you're you're you've been pretty healthy lately. Yeah, those are good. Uh, you still on them? No, I'm done mine. Now he's oh, ready for his fucking coffee enema. No, I'm back to my other cycle of the the cyto detox, that heavy metal detox. See, I'm kind of like you. I play around with all this kind of stuff, but I don't really measure it properly. Yeah. Um, but I want to know yeah, if I the know, second I really gotta, round. I got to focus. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was pretty good though, but I did feel a little bit, it, it suppresses the appetite and I don't know if they, it was the ketones themselves or stuff that they put in it. Cause I really lost that hunger pang for sure. Hunger pang? No, actually that's hunger the ketones. Hunger pang, what's hunger that? pang? Ketones will do that, yeah. What's hunger pang? Yeah. Pain? Pang. What's pang? A hunger pang. You know, when you, when you smoke up and you see pizza, that's a hunger, <laughs> hunger pang. Nice. <laughs> 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 So the other thing I've been uh, fascinated by, Mike and I have been talking back and forth, is like this importance of light and water, right? This Dr. Jack Cruz stuff, it's just, it's been blowing me away a little bit. It's it's a bit deep, but man, I I just, I I don't know where to go next. I got some time for that stuff. I like that. Yeah? Yeah, I like that kind of stuff. Hey, Mike, are you going to do the coffee enema? Uh, You know, I'll, I'll try... Anything, almost anything. But I mean, you know, I got a, uh, my boss actually, one of his friends has one of these colon cleansing businesses down here. And he was like, Hey, you got to go try this out. So I don't know what that entails, but I think it's similar. I don't know if it's got coffee, but maybe just water. I consider myself open to most things too, but for some reason, I think I draw a line somewhere before coffee enema. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a slippery slope. As long as it's, as long as it's dark, I'll try it. <laughs> oh, okay. And there's your quote of the week. <laughs> hey, speaking of which, I got some quotes. Should I say it? Do you want to, we haven't sh- done this well, in a long time. Well, he, Darren's got some quotes, but I, I don't want to interrupt Mike, so I want to talk oh, yeah, to okay, more Mike, Mike stuff. Mike, talk to us more about your biohacking, what you learned. <laughs> Well, you know, the the big thing I'm interested in right now is that the niagen and nicotinamide riboside. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, every, you know, month something new comes out with this stuff. And it's kind of like, you know, the, you eat food, basically, what's the whole point? Is to get electrons, right? It's, you break it all down, it goes through digestion, everything, so that you actually can create energy, which is this flow of, you know, electrical energy, basically. And you got the NAD and NADH, so... Basically, this is what I understand about it is, is that the NAD is kind of op- doesn't have the hydrogens on it, and then NADH is the NAD with hydrogen. Right. And when they're transferring them back and forth, that's kind of the flow of the energy, right? And uh, at the this is at the cell, like this is at the cell level, right? Like in the mitochondria, like, level? like in in the mitochondria, right? Yeah. And the outside of the mitochondria, like very, it's called the electron transport chain, and you know that's about as much as I know. You know as much as me now, but but there's a certain ratio between these two, the NAD and the NADH. And in almost every single sickness, there's way too much NADH. So it's funny that at the very root of all these diseases is kind of very uh, Eastern idea of, of, 
of a ratio, which is balance and flow, right? So balance and flow is what you need at, at this level. And that's, people are just, and this, uh, this niagenic nicotinamide riboside boosts the NAD levels in humans, it's proven now. And uh, in all, in like, there's so many animal models where they've tested it on animals and it's like reversing diseases from everything from autoimmune diseases to heart failure. It's, it's pretty fascinating stuff. And everyone's going to hear about it in the next couple of years. Yeah. It'll be as big as fish oil or, you know, even bigger. Or snake oil. This is... <laughs> <laughs> This is, so this is nicotinamide riboside. Yeah. Nicotinamide yeah, yeah. riboside. That'd be a good band. Name. I've been I've been uh, on that Dabbling. for a few months now. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed no difference. You did lose some weight. Yeah. I've I've gained more muscle too and lost weight. Uh, oh not totally. Get carried away. Yeah, yeah. This isn't a photo. But that could be the Take it easy. <laughs> but um <clears throat> but yeah, I I uh, I agree with you, Mike. You just forwarded me a the one of the first human trials on that as well. Yeah, and you're already on it. You're on this shit before <laughs> human trials. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mike's been on it for a while. Two years ago, off and on. I was one of huh. the first people that probably, maybe in Canada, that took it. Huh. They say worldwide is only, there's less than 200,000 people are taking it worldwide, even right now. So, I mean, it's still very new. Do you recommend I get on this shit? Sure. Try it. Are you, are you advocating it, Graham? Yeah. You wouldn't even advocate marijuana. I know. But you're going to advocate this strange drug that's never been on human trials. Well, I won't. Yeah, I would recommend true. that you put it in with the coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the coffee. Yeah. But this, I can't, uh, I can't even drink it now. No, oh, yeah, you've ruined coffee for me now. You've ruined coffee. Thanks. Thanks, Graham. So you thought the ketones in this NR is a good combination. Yeah, well, the ketones raise the NAD to NADH ratio by themselves, and then you throw in the raw material. Like together, it should be should be some sort of synergy, you would think. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then this Jack Cruz stuff—the light and water and magnetism—like he he just thinks that food and supplements is is even just not as important as light and water. No, he's got it way down. Well, he says that you know every well, it's interesting because on our cells we have. It's, I think it's called cytochrome C and it's basically, so, you know, you know, you got the red light and infrared light that people are using called photobiomodulation. Yeah. We actually yeah. have receptors on our cells for light, which we can take into our cells and use as energy, basically like a plant. Yeah. So, I mean, just, you know, you know, you just, just go from there. I mean, it's pretty, pretty astounding. People don't actually know that they're getting energy from the sun is actually doing stuff in them other than make vitamin D. Yeah. Yeah. These guys practice, you know, just being outside first thing in the morning in their bare feet, no matter how cold it is, staring at the sun. And these guys. This... Well, you got, yeah, in India, they got that. You know, they've done tests on a few of these guys where they had them in a hospital and all they did is stare at the sun. They had no water or food. I mean, you know, we're not there. I don't know what to believe, but these were supposedly done as in hospitals to check these, these yogis. And some of them haven't eaten for years, they say. So who knows? Yeah. I think you still need to drink water, though, don't you? Not when you're a super yogi. You just—I don't know. What's, yeah. At yeah. that point, what's the point? <laughs> like, oh, I don't even eat food, bro. 
Yeah. That's the new I don't have a TV. Yeah. I don't even eat. eat. <laughs> hey, we'll call the anyway. <laughs> That'll be the trend in 10 years. What, you eat still? Yeah, you, you still, still eat? eat? You fucking savage. <laughs> I just stare at the sun. Yeah. I'm a breatharian. Yeah. Well, that's the breatharians, right? Yeah. Barbie. Well, now you're yeah, robbing there's, the there's ground. Of that, that ground, that grass behind you was going to get that sunlight, and you're just taking it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're blocking the you're sun. You're going to have to die. Anyway. <laughs> uh. But it's it is interesting how water structured water and and this uh, proper light like see that's what I can't wrap my head around right is that we're we're in this blue light all the time right so what's one of the goals to block the blue light and and let in more of the UVB and and UV right the purple and and uh, yeah and red and the infrareds and the red and he's big on upping your DHA you know right which is which is eat as much fish and don't worry about the mercury, which is like the last guest we just had on was all about mercury poisoning. So this doctor who's a dent, he used to be a dentist and now he's a neurosurgeon thinks that it's more important to eat fish and get as much DHA as you can, regardless of the heavy metal toxins. So that's like his priority is DHA over any kind of heavy metal toxicity. Well, where's this mercury coming from? People have been eating pounds of fish every day for all history. You know, like, we're I mean, dumping it in the ocean. And now, and now it's killing us. Well, I think it's something we're doing. I think we're. <laughs> I think we've added the mercury to the equation, haven't we? That's what I. Well, would I don't think the mercury too. that's in fish is from is humans. I think it's natural source. It's just like no, no, no. when I'm you sure eat, we eat cocoa that. or whatever. Yeah, and it's got heavy metals in it. That's not from us. It's from the volcanic soil. No, that's I our mean, fault. One, 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 one way or another, we did it. It's like global warming. <laughs> So that's what I struggle with. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying that detox anyways, the heavy metal detox. I'm on the cycle of week two now. So I'm back to the, the drops beneath the tongue. I feel it in my teeth a little bit. So it's, it's, it's tough to say, but I mean, I kind of think, I see where Jack Cruz is coming from where, you know, it, it it's important. It's not like he's saying that it, it's not a thing, the poisoning. He, he agrees it's a thing. It's just not as important as DHA and sun and water. That yeah, seems like the. Well, look at the all these cancer rates they got in shift workers. The what? You know, all the shift workers and the and the rates of cancer in these people that you know because of lighting. Really? Oh yeah, there's been loads of studies on that. You know, of course, there's probably one out now that says the opposite, but who knows? So yeah, it says here. Mercury itself is a naturally occurring element that is present throughout the environment and in plants and animals. But human industrial activity, such as coal-fired electricity generation, smelting, and waste incineration, ratchets up the amount of airborne mercury, which eventually finds its way into lakes, rivers, and oceans, where it's gobbled up. And most of it was put there by companies owned by Trump. Fucking Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fucking Trump gave us some mercury. Oh no, wasn't it countries that were donated to the Clinton Foundation? They did something. It. <laughs> Bastards. Countries with bad human rights records. So what do you got yeah. for us this week, Graham? Well, we got uh, we got some. I might as well just have some emails here. The UFO quote is going to be some emails from WikiLeaks. Some emails. Oh, my quotes. I'm going to do my quotes first. Yeah, yeah. From our buddy Jackson. He's our official quote. Where's the jingle? I think it's this one. And now another edition of the Grime American Goodies by the people. By the people. 
So yeah, have, have I done this? When was the last time I did this? I don't know. It's been a long time. Okay, so are I mean, these Twitter quotes or? Yeah, I need to go back to one eighty-five. They're all from uh, from Jackson. And if you want to follow him, it's I think it's at Jackson Taylor. Um, F one eighty-five at the fifty-nine minute fifty-nine fifty mark. When you understand gravity, you realize you can't have a stable universe if all you got is an attractive force. Hmm. Was that? Huh? That would have been Wall. Yeah. Neither of us said that profound shit. No. <laughs> I thought these were quotes from us. <laughs> Sometimes they are. Uh, not always, though. Whatever strikes him. Uh, episode 186, which was Charles Ortel, which we got quite a bit of flack for. Um, episode 123.25, their books and records are a case book study in fraud. Uh, he's talking about the Clinton book, so there's some more hate mail. Uh, 187 at the 150 mark. As always... Graham, I'm the guy that follows the streaker to make sure nothing happens to him. Not mom. <laughs> Actually, does it? Maybe Jackson doesn't know you're not on the Twitter anymore. He tweeted, "Gramerica, you okay?" Hashtag you okay. Aw, that's nice. Thanks, Jackson. Check me out on Instagram. Yeah, he's, Instagram. On, he's on the Instagram. Uh, Actually, I thought I saw him here recently. F one eighty eight at the twenty eight thirty. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is all about brothels. <laughs> F-189, 3530. There's no word for the size of the number of universes that there would have to be according to that theory. Hmm. F-190 at the 130 mark. What the fuck is with your piece of shit fucking Jesus Christ, you know? <laughs> shut it off. Just shut it off. <laughs> that was doing the road trip. <laughs> You think so? Yeah, Maybe. when your podcast started playing. When we were oh, trying yeah. To yeah. Um, a lot of people like the road trip episode. Really? Which wow. Which is funny. That is funny. I thought it was terrible. Yeah. F-191, 4105. I couldn't write my historical past better, and why is because it's about the moment and what I'm becoming. That obviously wasn't us either. No. Yep. And finally, F-192 at the 23-minute mark. Can I have your DMT if you die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should harvest DMT from dead bodies. <laughs> that was us. Yeah. Thanks, Jackson. What do you got now? You're going to play your quote? Yeah. Okay, how about we do this one? Down and Graham going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. So this is this is uh, keeping in th on theme with the WikiLeaks stuff. This is all these Podesta, some of these Podesta emails uh, to and from uh, Edgar Mitchell. The the um, there was some to buddy the deceased to your buddy Edgar too. Mich Mitchell uh, and his coworker Aaron. So a little uh, little moment of silence for Edgar, who is no longer with us. <clears throat> He says, uh, Dear John, as 2015 unfolds, I understand you're leaving the administration in February. It is urgent that we agree on a date and time to meet to discuss disclosure and zero-point energy at your earliest available after your departure. My Catholic colleague, Terry Mansfield, will be there too to bring us up to date on the Vatican's awareness of ETI. That would be extraterrestrial intelligence. 
Another colleague is working on a new space treaty citing involvement with Russia and China. However, with Russia's extreme interference in Ukraine, I believe we must pursue another route for peace and space on ZPE and ZPE on Earth. I don't know what that is. See, I said Z. Did I say Z? He said ZPE. 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 What's that stand for? Uh, I don't know. Something crazy? Yeah, sounds like it. It's like a Zextraterrestrial? Zedstra? Zebra? He, he goes on to say, I met with President Obama's Honolulu childhood friend, U.S. Ambas Ambassador Pamela Hamoto on July 4th at the U.S. mission in Geneva when I was able to tell her briefly about zero-point energy. I believe we can enlist her as a confidant and resource in our presentation for Obama. I appreciate Aaron's assistance in working with Terry to set up our meeting. Best regards, Edgar Mitchell, SCD, Chief Science Officer and Founder Quantrek, Apollo 14 astronaut, sixth man to walk on the moon. So I, I googled the meaning for ZST, and it gave me... <laughs> ZST. What, did, isn't that what you said? No, Z, it's ZS Z, Z, ZDE. Oh. Now I can't find it. Yeah, ZPE. ZPE? ZPE. ZPE. Okay. This is going to be my new thing. Okay, I'm typing into the abbreviations.com. Zero point energy. All right. Damn it. That was so fucking obvious. Do you want to know what ZST came back with? Sure. Zombie shooter thing. <laughs> <laughs> so then after that, there's a, there's a couple more emails. Dear Aaron, Dr. Mitchell is available for a meeting with John Podesta the week of August 11th but will not be able to come to D.C. He would like me to attend the meeting, and then we patch him in via Skype. Thanks for getting back to me, blah, blah, blah. Dear, dear Aaron, da, 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 da. Oh, I just lost it. Um, <laughs> as we move into this, uh, where is it going on? It's just going back and forth about their meetings and stuff like that. He gets into like uh, five decades of view informa UFO information dramatically shifted the public awareness of an ET presence. And yet our government is still operating from outdated beliefs and policies. These are detrimental to the trust in government, transparency, science, religion, and responsible citizenry embracing the next step in our country's space travel and research. And he's saying, 50 years ago, Battelle, Brookings, and Rand studies on UFOs convinced the government to remove knowledge of the ET presence from the citizens of our country. These organizations advise with their best information. However, today, much if not most of the ET reality they examined is known by our citizens. So, yeah, it's interesting. So, he, so anyways, it's just going back and forth about their meeting and stuff. And how before meeting with the president, which I lost that one, that they want to meet with uh, with uh, Edgar Mitchell on their own before the president. So, anyways, there you have it. Ecuador has officially uh, issued a statement saying that they cut off Julian Assange's internet until after the election. No way. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Because they're saying that they don't want, they feel like it's tampering with the U.S. election. So now everybody's going to think that, that WikiLeaks is a shill as well, right? Like, what's the point of having it and doing all that if you, if you get shut down right at the most important time? Well, they won't. I mean, clearly he doesn't need the internet to release things. Well, what? they just released all those code, whatever that was yesterday, didn't they? Yeah. Those three, three long string of numbers. So what are those? Those are like, like ways for people to access 
you know, files, wasn't it? Weeks. Yeah, there was a big dump I was looking at yeah. today. That's the thing is you just have to wait for people to go through it because I'm not going through it. And I don't think they really, you know, they don't really highlight it yet. Or maybe they do some of it, but I think, you know, the real treasure trove comes as fucking people mine through it and find the little things that no one else cared about. Like the UFO shit, you know? UFO people are finding that stuff, guaranteed. I think it has a, WikiLeaks makes it searchable, so you could just go there and type in UFO. You should be on this, Graham. What's that? UFO, just going through these WikiLeaks for UFO stuff well that's what the fuck do you think i'm doing right now i'm fucking reading through it going okay here's another one <clears throat> this is uh from john to john podesta again this is dear john because the war in space race is heating up i felt you should be aware of several factors as you and i should schedule our skype talk remember our non-violent eta from the contiguous universes are helping us bring zero point energy to earth what are you doing over there mike Hello. Nothing. Okay, I can hear some. I can <laughs> hear some yeah. echoing. Mike was fucking going down from his weird fucking <laughs> never tested biohacking. <laughs> some I was two put, supplements. Putting my hand in a bag of pomegranate seeds. <laughs> well, getting younger right now. So he says, uh, "Remember or not, da, 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 they will they will not tolerate any forms of military violence on Earth or in space." The following information in italics was shared with me by my colleague Carol Rosen, who worked with uh, Von Braun before his death. So then it gets into all the space treaty stuff with Carol Rosen. So, is so it, that was from is Edgar it again. That so Podesta's just just playing all these guys. Edgar Mitchell ha even has his email address. Yeah, maybe no, but Podesta I think is genuinely interested is in this stuff. Yeah, he's definitely interested. There you have it. So, anyways, yeah, that's a little sample of all these. Actually, I'll put the I'll put a link from that. That's from the Paradigm Research Group, dudes, who's accumulated all this stuff. What else you got? So, Mike. Well, I wanted to ask Mike again, give him a chance to if he's got any he wanted to talk about before we uh, start wrapping it up. Oh, I can't really think of anything. I mean, no, good. Um. I want to talk to you. Uh, yeah, I want to, but I want to talk in person about a couple business ideas. Oh boy! So oh, business. I, yeah, yeah, I could use money. Just give me some money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speaking of money, yeah. Check out. Uh, we could use some money too. <laughs> check out carmerica.ca uh, slash support and check out all the different ways to help us uh, value pay the value. bills, keep the lights on. Yeah, if you get some value from our lazy ramblings or from our interviews or whatever, and you think it's worth a couple of bucks a month, then uh, send some our way. There's a bunch of monthlies there. We really love our monthly subscribers. They help us. Uh, winter's coming, and we have to heat the igloo. We do have bills. Like, we have lots of bills. bills. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It does help. It helps That's big right. time. And winter's coming. Yeah. And, yeah, now we officially, we had to fucking get, we have the battery thing now, too, so that we don't, because this, this interview has some oh, uh, spotty is this audio. The one? Right. Because of power. We had a power failure during the interview with Maurice, which is the only thing we are not equipped to handle. Actually, our backup digital recorder, if it would have had double A's in it, would have, <laughs> would have saved it, but it didn't. So uh, all three, I record this show in three different places as backups. Yeah, so, yeah, because we've had enough problems. We lost six episodes once, and this one, this one, 
like after all this intense discussion around gravity and I'm trying to wrap my head around it all. And then we get into leaky after gut two hours and then boom, the power goes out. I, I almost cried. I cannot believe that we actually salvaged the audio from a, from, from an Skype, app from that was Skype not computer. working for the last couple of months. Like somehow it decided to work and save this when the power went out. So yeah, that's what <laughs> happened there. But now we have a, a UPS, I think it's called or something like that. So all of our, Critical infrastructure is plugged into this thing. After the power goes out, I think we get about 25 minutes. Which, of course, we wouldn't... I mean, there's no... I think if we got another UPS and put it in the house, maybe you could keep the internet going, but I don't know how that works if the power's out. Is there still internet coming in on the line? Maybe there would be. I don't think so. Who cares anyway, right? You know, as long as we well, can Well, we've got our phones. Audio. Like, I mean, like we could hotspot where... Oh, that's cell, right. right? But anyways, um, that's all. Just rambling. Um, yeah, that's right. So, there's other ways to connect as well through Darren's on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, and yeah. our emails are in the contact section. And all these links are in the show notes as well. And there's yeah, uh, voicemails you can leave on the website. Reviews on iTunes help. Review the show, grammarica.ca slash iTunes. Sign up for the newsletter, grammarica.ca slash news. Or sign your friends up for the newsletter. Or do one of the two. Get on the newsletter train. Um... Review the show, spam gram. I think that's about it. Send your cash. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming on, Mike. Hey, yeah, thanks. It was fun. Yeah, good and stuff. Enjoy the chat. I think this is like fucking three hours. Yeah, this episode is going to be a four-hour-long episode. So sorry about that. <laughs> enjoy the chat with Morris. <laughs>
September's been quite a busy month, actually. There was one question about gravity I couldn't quite figure out, and it's taken me nine years of thinking about it. And it finally came to me just a couple of weeks ago. And that was a question which has perplexed me and I guess lots of other people for many years since Isaac Newton first described the relationship between the gravitational variables. Mm -hmm. I have to point out that, of course, Isaac Newton didn't know the cause of gravity. Mm -hmm. Just uh, by observing the, the behavior of comets, he was able to describe the relationship between, uh, if you like, the apple and the earth. And he put together a formula to describe the relationship, saying that uh, the force of gravity depends on the size of the apple and the size of the earth, and that it decreases in proportion to the distance squared from uh, the apple to the earth. So he managed to put together a formula describing the variables, but he didn't know the actual cause of it. Nobody knows the cause of it except the work I've done. <laughs> and uh, I, I brought out a unified field theory in 2007. Uh -huh. And uh, what happened was, I, I sat, the wife and I sit down January the 1st every day and we discuss what we're going to do for the next year, what sort of projects we're going to get involved in. And I remember it was 2007, and it was January the 1st, and I said, well, there's only one question that I still got to answer for my own good, if you like. I figured out from the ancient civilization inquiries what God is, and what the devil is, and what heaven is, and what hell is, and why we're born, why we die. And uh, I'd figured out all the questions I ever had in my life except how gravity works. So I said to her, okay, I think this year I'll try and have a go at gravity because clearly people are looking at the problem the wrong way. And one of the things I learned from ancient civilizations is that uh, there's no such thing as intelligence. And uh, so it didn't really concern me that the thousands or millions of people who have tried to figure out gravity may or may not have been more intelligent than I am because, as I say, I don't think there's any such thing as intelligence. I think uh, we are physical beings. We have electromagnetic energy inside us. Mm -hmm. And I believe that electromagnetic energy is God. And uh, once the energy flows through the matter, the physical body, we have consciousness. And uh, <clears throat> for example, every living thing has got its God, electromagnetic energy, voltage inside it. And for example, if you take the, the case of a, a swallow, a bird, flying through the branches of a tree at 100 miles an hour. African or European? Either. Whatever turns <laughs> you on. It's an, old Monty, <laughs> it's an old Monty Python joke I thought you might, okay. might get uh, well, from, from the it, Holy Grail. <clears throat> yeah, okay. Well, we, we, it makes us ask the question, how can a bird with a, size, a brain the size of a pea fly through the branches of a tree at 100 miles an hour? And, of course, it's not the bird that's flying. It's, it's the God inside the bird. It's the energy inside the bird, and the energy moves at the speed of light. The electricity moves at the speed of light. So, uh, anyway, just going back to, to the gravity, I had this in my mind when I decided to sit down and figure out how gravity works. Mm -hmm. which, so that gave me quite an advantage because I wasn't uh, afraid of addressing it because I knew one didn't have to be clever to figure it out. So anyway, I put together a, a, a mechanism of how it, I believed it had to work, and that took me six weeks. It took me till Valentine's Day, because I remember exactly. It was February the 14th, and I figured out a mechanism. So that was 2007. I, I then gave a lecture, actually, in uh, Nevada on gravity uh, in the March, I think it was, just after that. And then I had to set, set about 
describing how uh, how the mechanism I had theoretically put forward could be reconciled with Newton's equation for gravity, mm-hmm. which I described earlier. And that took about uh, <clears throat> nearly three years. And wow. then once I'd figured that out, I pub- uh, wrote Future Science, and that yeah. was published in 2011. And in order to figure out how gravity worked, I had to look at all of the, everything, all of the physical phenomena. For example, I asked the question, why would two pieces of matter be attracted together? What is this gravitational force that we've been searching for for centuries? (laughs) And uh, it seemed to me that uh, it, it can't be very difficult. I mean, if you've got two atoms, they must be drawn together by something. Mm -hmm. two atoms in the universe in space something's pulling them together and once i started to look into how much we know i was very very surprised for example physicists know very 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 little uh, very very little about fundamentals they don't know how the atom works for example they don't understand what keeps the positive charges in the middle of an atom together because uh, the protons are positive bits in the middle of an atom, they should all oppose each other and spring apart because they're all positive. Positive Mm -hmm. opposes positive. So they don't know why they don't spring apart. They don't understand why the orbiting negative charges, the electrons, don't get sucked into the middle because negative attracts positive. Uh, They don't understand why the orbits in the atom are the way they are with uh, one vertical shell one horizontal shell, and then two at 45 degrees northwest and northeast, if you like. They don't understand how magnetism works. They don't understand how a magnet sticks to the fridge door. They don't understand how electricity works. Now you think, well, hang on a minute, they must do. The fact is they don't. We have a pretty pretty good idea, and uh, we believe that it's the movement of electrons through a circuit or along a wire. But what we don't understand, or what they don't understand, is why when we get the movement of electrons and electrical current, we get a magnetic field around the wire. So they don't understand how electromagnetism works at all. They have no idea whatsoever. They don't understand why stars cluster into uh, a double spiral shape. And in fact, just moving away from the stars, they don't understand why a hurricane uh, is double spiral shaped. And of course, it's all down to gravity once we understand how gravity works. They don't understand how the sunspot cycle works. They don't understand what what causes global warming and global cooling. And that's both together. And uh, as I say, just last month, uh, I've been thinking about this problem for nine years, Mm -hmm. about why different size objects fall at the same speed. Now, in about 1645 or 50, Galileo measured the speed of falling objects. And of course, there's old stories about him dropping balls off the Leaning Tower of Pizza. In fact, if you go to the Science Museum in Florence in Italy, you'll see what Galileo did was quite intriguing. He didn't have a stopwatch in those days. So what he had to do was he, he made balls and he put the balls on a long ramp. The ramp was about 20 foot long, at least the ones I saw were in the museum. Mm-hmm. And he marked divisions on the ramp. So the ramp was stood about uh, 14 inches high and it was about 20 feet long. So it's a very slow slope, uh, a very low slope. Then he released the ball at the top and it rolled down the slope. And then he could time it in seconds then 
how long it took to pass each marker on the slope. So in effect, he slowed down the rate of fall of the ball moving along that distance. And what he found was when he put a small ball, like a billiard ball, and a large ball, like a cannonball, they rolled down the slopes together and they hit the bottom at the same time. Hmm. And from this, he deduced that all objects fall at the same speed, which is great. However, Isaac Newton says the force of gravity, he can find out the force of gravity, his formula, and it's very, very simple, so I'll labor over it and I'll go slowly. He said the force of gravity depends on the size of the apple and the size of the earth. That's the top line. Force equals the mass one of the apple multiplied by the mass two of the earth. And he noticed that the further away it got, the weaker it got. And so that was divided by the distance squared. The only problem was with this is a formula, F equals M1 times M2 divided by D squared. He kept getting the wrong answer. Every time he did the calculation, he got the wrong answer. And he eventually figured out that it was 6.6 billion times too big. So what he did was he divided his answers by 6.6 billion to get the right answer. He didn't know why he had to do that, but he did. Right. And he called this, uh, this, uh, uh, this number G, the gravitational constant. So he didn't know what it was, but it was the number that gave him the right answer for gravity. Now, what is, uh, just putting that formula together then, we've got force equals G for gravity, M1 times M2, that's the apple times the ca cannonball, or, or the apple times the earth, mm -hmm. divided by D squared. So what that means is the force is equal to uh, the size of the apple or the size of the earth. So if we change the apple for a cannonball, the force should increase. It's got to. Otherwise, Newton's equation is wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, if the force is, it does increase, Newtonian mechanics tells us that the force equals mass times acceleration. Therefore, acceleration is a force divided by the mass. So if the force goes up, the acceleration must go up. What that means is, if you drop an apple and then you change it for a cannonball, the, the cannonball should travel a lot faster than the apple because mm -hmm. it's a far bigger mass. So we have a problem now. Are Newton's equations incorrect? Or is Galileo incorrect? <laughs> or is there something yet that we have yet to discover that will reconcile the two? And what I reconciled a couple of weeks ago is absolutely beautiful. And it's on my website. If anybody wants to download it, it's www.mauricecottrell.com. Mm -hmm. And it's halfway down the homepage. And there's a square box. And it says, why all bodies fall to Earth at the same acceleration speed. And basically, what, what's happening is, once we understand how gravity works, it's absolutely fantastic. Let me describe, if I may, or I'll try to condense it slightly. Okay. It's a simplify it, I should say. What's happening is, if I take away the scaffolding, what's happening is the hydrogen atom makes up 93% of the atoms in the universe. Now, the hydrogen atom is the simplest of all atoms. It's very, very simple. We've got a positive charge in the middle, and we've got an electron, a negative charge, orbiting it. So it's a bit like the Earth going around the sun. Very, very simple setup. Now, to make the gravitational uh, uh, mechanism work, what I had to do was change the structure of the atom, first of all, to make it stable. Now, the problem with the atom was, as I mentioned earlier, 
Orthodox physics doesn't understand why the protons don't spring apart or why the electrons aren't sucked into the middle. So first of all, I had to figure that one out. Now, in about, uh, it was about 1920 uh, that uh, Rutherford in Manchester University discovered the atom and he discovered the electrons and the protons. Well, actually the electron was discovered by a bloke called, I think it was J.J. Taylor in about 1890 uh, when he was using cathode ray tubes. But the atom itself, which contained electrons and protons, was discovered by Rutherford in about 1980-1920. And uh, he was quite happy with that, of course. Now, one of the problems there, I have to mention this, is that the theory favoured today, the orthodox model favoured today, uh, well, there are two. There's relativity by Einstein, and his relativity came out, I think, uh, in 1910 and 1915, relativity and general relativity and special relativity, 1910 and 1915. So Einstein didn't have a clue about the atom at all. So given that gravity, given that uh, we need to understand how the atom works before we can understand how two atoms attract themselves to each other, it's quite clear that Einstein didn't have a clue about gravity because he couldn't have done because he was around. He was doing his work on relativity before the atom was discovered. So we've got to dispel all of Einstein's work about rubber sheets in the sky and uh, time dilation and all that because it's all nonsense. <clears throat> so all we need is a very simple, straightforward mechanism. Now, they noticed, Rutherford noticed about 1930 that although he'd found the electrons and the protons, he actually found a way of measuring the weight of them. And when he weighed the atom or certain atoms, he realized that his calculations were out as well by about a third. And he came to the conclusion that there must be another particle inside the atom which had no electrical charge, no positive charge and no negative charge. And uh, it was about, I think it was about 1935, that James Chadwick, the British chemist, he discovered the neutron, which was the other particle inside the atom that had evaded Rutherford's uh, scrutiny or detection, if you like. And Chadwick decided that uh, uh, the neutron wasn't negative, wasn't positive, therefore it was neutral. And that's when the big mistake occurred in physics. That's when the train came off the rails. (laughs) What we had at that time was Rutherford had described the electron as a negative sign, little negative electrons orbiting the atom. And the middle of the atom was described by billiard balls, red billiard balls with a positive sign on them. So we had positive and negative. And what they did when uh, Chadwick came along and discovered the neutron, they put another billiard ball into the atom. But that didn't answer any questions at all. It just made everything a little bit more complicated. They still couldn't understand why the atom didn't spring apart or why it didn't annihilate itself, why the electrons didn't get sucked into the middle. Then in about 1960, using particle accelerators, physicists discovered that if they smashed two neutrons together like boiled eggs, they finished up with two positive charges, two negative charges, and two particles that didn't seem to do very much. What that meant to them, it was like smashing two boiled eggs together. If you smash two boiled eggs together, you finish up with two yolks, Mm -hmm. two whites, and two shells. So they said, okay, well, every egg must have a yolk, a white, and a shell. So they said every neutron must have a negative charge, a positive charge, and a neutral charge, because oh. they finished up with two of each. So that's the way it was. So they put those charges inside the blue billiard ball that they put in a few years earlier, and again, it didn't help them. Now, 
all, all that was required was they put the pieces back together incorrectly. All they had to do was make the neutron long and thin. So you had a negative particle at one end, a positive particle at the other end, separated by the neutral particle, which sometimes they call the neutrino, sometimes they call it the antineutrino. It depends which way it's spinning. <clears throat> now, once you get this uh, neutron into a spike, you can see why the atom is stable. Because if you put the spiked neutron, that's what I call it, the positive part of the spike in the atom itself with all the other positive charges and the negative part of the spike pointing towards an electron, then the electron is pushed away by the negative charge in the neutron. The positive charge in the neutron pushes on the positive charges in the nucleus. And so the neutron behaves like a spring, if you like. It keeps the electrons from the protons. And that answers the two questions of why a, the nucleus doesn't explode, and mm -hmm. B, why the electrons don't get sucked into the middle. Mm. So half of the problems with the atoms we've, we've, we've got away with now, and we can start building upon that. <coughs> so the Excuse atomic me. bomb would basically be taking away that positive and negative and letting those things come together? What the atomic bomb does <coughs> is uh, they, they put a heavyweight atom like plutonium uh, I'm not sure it's a several. You've got uranium, plutonium uh, is, the, is the heaviest, and the, uh, re the refined plutonium is better. It's a very heavyweight atom. It's got about 100 electrons, 100 protons, 100 neutrons. It's not that exactly. I think it's about 98 or something. I don't have the periodic table in front of me, so I can't give you the actual figure. Mm -hmm. But what that does is, what they found with, with plutonium is very unstable. And if you put a conventional, wrap a conventional bomb around it, and blow up the conventional bomb, the plutonium is crushed together. And once it's crushed, uh, all of the electrons and protons and neutrons smash into each other. You get a chain reaction, and you get a lot of energy released from the atom. And it was Einstein's equation, E equals mc squared, uh, that told us just how much energy we would get if we crushed an atom. And it was Otto Frisch the Viennese physicist, the Austrian physicist in 1938. He sat down and did the calculation. I mean, most people think it was Einstein who did the calculation. Not true. Don't forget, Einstein knew nothing about atoms. You've got to keep remembering that. Otherwise, you might get misled into believing that some of his work was good. <laughs> it was Otto Frisch in 1938. He sat down using Einstein's equation. He said, this looks interesting. Energy equals mass times the speed of light squared. He said, so how much energy would be in the plutonium atom? And he put his figures together, and he realized he could make a bomb a million times bigger than a conventional bomb. And, of course, everybody laughed. Until seven years later, when it was exploded over Hiroshima. Right. Now, <clears throat> so, if we look back, we can see where orthodox physics went wrong. We can see it with Einstein. He was trying to, he was grasping at straws with his relativity. We can see then how Chadwick got hold of the neutron. We can see then how in 1960 the neutron was then described as a neg negative charge and a positive charge. And I should mention <coughs> excuse me, that these charges are only half the size of the other charges in the atom. In other words, the neutron negative charge is half of an electron. The neutron positive charge is half of a proton. And they're joined together. And where they're joined by this neutrino, and anti-neutrino, 
they're not really joined at all. The neutrino doesn't actually exist. It's just where they're fused together. It's an area of fusion. That's why when they throw two neutrons together in a particle accelerator, they finish up the negative one, they finish up with the positive one, but the neutrino disappears after about 12 seconds, and that's because it doesn't exist, which is interesting. And this is what's happening in these particle accelerators. They're smashing these particles together and creating particles. These are not, there's no such things as a Higgs boson and all that. It's all nonsense. They're using so much energy that they're making particles in these accelerators. So we can discount all the stuff about the Higgs boson and all the other nonsense we've heard over very recent years. Yeah, you go into quite a bit of detail on on that in one of your papers. But let's let's uh, let's just let's wrap up the the last two weeks. Then what was what was the main part of your sort of epiphany or what your can you just uh, explain that again? Just sure. over because yeah. I've been looking at like your your gravity uh, <clears throat> work over the last nine years or whatever, like how basically electricity and magnetism. It, it seems to me like that should have been gravity should have been called like electromagnetism. Yeah, to begin sure. with or something like. Exactly, yes. I mean, basically what's happening is a hydrogen atom, as the electron rotates, spins, uh, orbits the hydrogen proton, it gives off corkscrew-style electromagnetic waves. Okay. Helically polarized electromagnetic waves. It's like a corkscrew, but okay. it's like a corkscrew inside a cone. So the cone is narrow towards the atom, and as it moves away from the atom, it gets bigger. The wave gets bigger, so it's a, a a cone-shaped corkscrew wave. Now, those waves travel towards other atoms, and that radiation causes the other atoms' electrons to spin in the same direction at the same time. It's like me sitting in my car, switching on my windscreen wiper. And when I switch on my windscreen wiper, the windscreen wipers in the car next door to me start to follow my windscreen wiper. And the windscreen wipers in the car next door to my neighbor's car start following my neighbor's windscreen wipers. They all start synchronizing each other. And that's what's happening with, it, with gravity. The hydrogen atom gives off corkscrew-style waves. Mm -hmm. that, that impinges upon neighboring atoms, causing the electrons in those atoms to follow the spin. That means that the magnetic field between the hydrogen atom and the neighboring atom are the same. And so what's happening is, as, as, the hydrogen oh. atom, as the hydrogen atom changes, as it moves around the electron in the hydrogen atom, it goes from an electrical particle when it's horizontal to a magnetic particle when it's vertical as it's spinning. Then it goes back to an electrical particle when it's horizontal. Then it goes to a, uh, a magnetic particle again when it's vertical. So the electron is not an electrical particle. The electron is electrical for half of the time. It's magnetic for half of the time. And once we understand that, we can understand why the movement of electrons down a wire creates a magnetic field. And again, this is where physics has gone wrong. So, so gravity is the synchronization of electrons in neighboring atoms. Which oh. brings us back to now, why do uh, <clears throat> weights of different sizes fall at the same speed? Well, what happens is, if you drop an apple into a gravity wave, that's a vortex of electromagnetic radiation coming up from the Earth, the gravity waves cause the electrons in the atom, in the apple, to spin. 
And that causes an alternating magnetic field between the electrons in the apple and the electrons of the Earth, and that's the force of gravity, an alternating magnetic field. But it, it was, and so Isaac Newton was quite correct. The force depends on the mass. The problem is, as the atoms in the apple get faster and faster and faster, because it's a, it's a vortex, it's a cone-shaped, like a tornado, as the atoms in the atoll spin faster and faster and faster, horizontally, because it's going into the vortex, uh, centrifugal force acts upon the electrons in the spinning apple. So now we have two forces. We have gravity pulling down on the apple, but we have uh, centrifugal force pulling sideways on the apple. And at, the apple will fall at a certain speed and then the centrifugal force becomes greater than the gravitational force. And what happens then is the apple becomes, it can't synchronize its electrons anymore with the gravity waves. The gravity waves stop synchronizing the electrons. So the force of gravity disappears on the apple. So basically what's happening is, as the apple falls, it reaches 32 feet per second. But once it gets to 32 feet per second, the centrifugal force horizontally on those electrons in the apple exceeds gravity, and the apple floats. The apple then begins to float for one trillionth of a second. That's the hydrogen frequency. So if you drop an apple and a cannonball, what happens is the cannonball reaches 32 feet per second before the apple, uh -huh. as predicted by Newton. But then the cannonball reaches, as it reaches 32 feet per second before the apple, it then becomes weightless uh -huh. just for a trillionth of a second. And then the apple catches up. And then they both start falling again from that position. So M3, the, sorry, excuse me, the cannonball is switching on and off, on and off, on and off, 1.4 trillion times a second. It's 1.42 gigahertz the hydrogen frequency. And that's why all objects fall at the same speed. M3, the cannonball, does fall faster than the apple, but only for a trillionth of a second. Then it hits 32 feet per second. The, the centrifugal force is greater than the gravitational force. The cannonball floats in midair for a trillionth of a second. The apple catches up. Then the, because the cannonball slowed down, the cannonball then speeds up again. So it speeds up, stops, speeds up, stops, speeds up, stops a million times. And so they both hit the floor at the same time. Is that uh, using air as a medium or does it matter if you're in a vacuum or water? Like, no, that, that's constant? That would be in a vacuum. <clears throat> there is a little bit of air resistance, of course. But for spherical objects, there's not too much of a difference. I mean, if you had a feather and a cannonball, you'd have to include the air resistance. But uh, that would go anywhere because Newton's equation for gravity applies to all planets and all things. And so uh, <clears throat> that answers the, the question about why objects fall. And that's fascinating. It's very, very simple once you see the diagrams. It's difficult to talk about it over the phone if you're not familiar with it. Yeah, no, I, I like it. I'm also look, I was, um, when you were talking about changing spins to um, just turn on and off, gravity i suppose is that kind of like um is that why gravity isn't really doesn't really be seem to be governed by the 
the speed of light because it's using almost an entanglement. It can almost use like the laws of entanglement to just, you know, just on and off. Well, it doesn't matter. Distance is irrelevant. Or the laws of quantum mechanics, not so much yeah. entanglement. But. Exactly. That, that's quantum theory. And you don't really want to get in that because that's not even a science. <laughs> <laughs> you have to remember that a science is, uh, it's, A, it's definable. It has characteristics which are unchanging. In other words, it's always constant. It has certain relationships with other variables, and it's predictable. Now, quantum theory is not predictable. It depends on probability. So by definition, quantum theory cannot be a science by definition. So we have to dispel quantum theory, dispel relativity, and start from basics. We have to get the atom right first. Then we have to understand how gravity works, and we have to understand why... Uh, Sorry, how magnetism works, how electricity works, all of these things are described in future science in pictures for any average 15-year-old to understand. Yeah, and I just want to mention before I forget that your, your PDF about this is on your site, and it is very visual. There's all kinds of charts and, uh, and pictures and yeah. stuff like that, and people can go in there and, and, uh, and look at it for It's for very, free. very simple. Yeah. If yeah. you look at why all bodies fall to Earth at the same acceleration speed, you will see instantly well, in 10 minutes, how it all works. It's very, very simple. It's all diagrams. Now, but you, take, you can take this and scale it up to the way planets and, and solar systems and, and galaxies react, no? Absolutely, absolutely. So we had Wall Thornhill on a little while ago, and this keeps popping up. We seem to be in this, in this phase where we're talking about, like, the, you know, the details of electromagnetism, but also the larger scale, big picture stuff as well. And I don't know if it, this seems to really fit in with the, the electric universe uh, theory, like the Thunderbolts info. Have you ever looked at that at all? Or? Yes, I have. And my objection is that you've got guys in the electric universe trying to explain how the electric universe works. They don't understand how electricity works. They don't understand how magnetism works. And they don't understand how gravity works. And my view is they should learn to walk before they run, get back to basics, understand how gravity works, and then go out and describe the larger universe. But aren't they still onto the uh, <clears throat> onto a better answer than than what is out there right now? Like, I mean, they are onto something, even though they might not understand it to the level that, that you're talking about here. I don't think they are onto anything. They're grasping at straws. Huh. I saw, I did see a documentary about the electric universe a few years ago. Yeah. And I thought it looks interesting, nice graphics and all the rest of it. <laughs> but how, why would you wish to listen to somebody who doesn't understand how electricity works or magnetism works? Doesn't it make, I mean, you take Stephen Hawking, the so-called cosmologist. What is he? Oh, he's an expert on black holes. What's a black <laughs> hole? Oh, he'll tell you a black hole is a gravitational anomaly. So you say to him, is it? Well, how does gravity work? He said, I don't know. So this is an expert on something he doesn't know. Yeah. Now, no, I, I've had a lifetime of this, looking at these people. Yeah. And there's something wrong with their minds. Yeah, but you can't, you can't put Hawking, Hawking and, the, and the EU guys in the same. I mean, those guys are also sort of bucking the mainstream. I mean, they would, they would say that they know how electricity works to a certain level. I don't know if it's the same as what you're talking about. But, I mean, I, 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 know, what you, I know what you're saying because we're, we're sort of living in a illusion here with the way our mainstream science is, is telling us you know how things are and they're so sure about all these things when really they're just theories 
It's a complete illusion. You're quite right. It's completely illusory. They walk about in their white coats trying to tell everybody they're very clever. And they can't answer any of the basics of science. None of them. Touche. Yeah. <laughs> have you, I want to keep going on that in a way. So do you have any, what, didn't you have another question, Darren, about the electromagnetism? No, I like it. I mean, that kind of lines up with... Um... I mean, I've, I've been, I've, for, for some reason, I mean, I read some of Ed Leeds Gellman's work a, a few years back and for some reason I've just always thought gravity has, uh, has had more to do with magnetism or electromagnetism than it does to do with anything else. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because if it wasn't for Ed Leeds Gellman, I couldn't have done my work. Wow. And let me tell you why. When I was at engineering school at college, I was told that Electrons flow down wires from negative to positive, and that's electrical current. Ed Leeds Cowlin said, no, they're all wrong. All the engineers and physicists are wrong. It's not electrons. It's tiny magnets that flow down wires. Now, I've always been very forgiving. So I thought, well, I'm sure Ed's a nice guy, and I'm sure the physicists are nice guys. So the question for me was, it's a bit like one of those old riddles when you're a kid. When is a door not a door? When it's a jar. <laughs> so I thought, when is an electron not an electron? When it's a magnet. Uh -huh. So I thought, well, when can an electron be a magnet? So what Rutherford did, he showed the electron as a negative sign. When it shouldn't have been a negative sign, it should have been a coil, a coil shape. Because if you swipe a coil through an electric field, you get a magnetic field. So now, if we go back to the hydrogen atom and you move the electron, the coiled shape electron, through the electric field, which must exist between the hydrogen electron and the hydrogen proton, there must be an electric field between them, then as that coil-shaped electron moves around in orbit, it must induce a magnetic field. The magnetic field fights against the electric field that causes the electron to spin vertically. When it's vertical, it's a magnet. When it's horizontal, it's an electron. So without Ed Leeds Calvin and his input, without the electron ma uh, 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 magnet argument, I couldn't have discovered that the electron is an electron for half of the time and a magnet for half of the time. And once I'd realized that, the rest was easy. Wow. So, so theoretically, you could somehow turn gravity off. You can actually, yes, by spinning. This is how flying saucers work. Oh, if you I have wanted to get into that. Yeah, of course. This is what's on the website now that I've just discovered a couple of weeks ago. It, because the electrons inside the apple are spinning, they can no longer follow the spin of the gravity waves from the Earth. So, if you have a tornado, the air around the tornado spins in a vortex. So, all of the electrons in the hydrogen and oxygen in the vapor, the water vapor in the tornado, are all spinning around, and that causes anything caught in the tornado to follow the spin of the hydrogen atoms in the tornado. So, they no longer follow the spin of the gravity waves coming from the Earth. That's why when a car gets sucked up into a tornado, it levitates. It becomes weightless. 
because the electrons in the car are following the electron spin of the vortex of air going around it. So it's not the suction of the tornado that's whipping the car up. That's only a little bit of the, 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 uh, the pull, if you like, the force of attraction. It's the weightlessness which allows the, the, the tornado to suck it up more than it would normally. Wow, and this, how you, this is how you get those anomalies where you find stuff stuck inside matter during storms or after tornadoes. It's, it's exactly. Not, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this is why I spin, if you put a very fast spinning disc on a CD-ROM, it will lift because it, the, the, the electrons in the CD-ROM are no longer following the gravity waves coming from the Earth. Instead, it's like if you pour breakfast cereal onto a spinning CD-ROM, all the cereal gets thrown off the CD because it's spinning. Well, you imagine now all the electrons inside the CD, they can't get thrown off because they're stuck inside the plastic. But what they do is they all line up in a circle so they can no longer follow the gravity waves from the Earth. And so the disk becomes weightless. Thus, some sort of propulsion system for... The, the secret space program or something. I mean, I, I didn't want to get too conspiratorial right away, but when you talk about all this stuff and, and I think about all the all the labs that are doing work, like let's say in the states, for example, there's got to be people that are already using this uh, in their, you know, in developing technologies. That, that and you know, and then on the other hand, mainstream science and academia just ignore the whole possibility of all this free energy or anti gravity, and yet people are flying around in these things. Absolutely. And uh, I, I, I was going to say something. I lost my thread on that one, uh, on flying saucers and everything. Oh, about the but, disc, uh, uh, about the disc and the, the floating, the propulsion systems of the flying flying saucers. Yeah. So you have all these uh, electrons spinning. Yeah, just uh, I'll, it'll come back to me in a, in a few minutes, I guess. But there's another sort of anti gravity as well. Okay, because that's the anti gravity I figured out last week, and. Uh, the reason it took me nine years, I know why it took me nine years, and I know why it's taken orthodox physics 300 years. Orthodox physics are physicists, and in order to understand how gravity works, you've got to be an engineer, an electrical and communications engineer. That's what I am. Now, uh, in order to figure out why two objects fall at the same speed and hit the ground, the reason it took me nine years was because it was. It all comes down to uh, centrifugal force. Yeah. Well, centrifugal force isn't on my menu. That's on the men- menu of a mechanical engineer. <laughs> <laughs> you see the problem? Yeah, now, yeah. I can see where I failed. I can see where I failed for nine years. I can see where the physicists have failed for 350 years. They couldn't figure it out because they're not engineers. I, as an engineer, couldn't understand why two weights fall at the same speed because... Uh, uh, centrifugal force is not an electrical force and it's not a magnetic force and it's not a gravitational force and there's only three forces the problem is centrifugal force in fact physicists will argue there's no such thing as centrifugal force they sometimes call it centripetal force they say it's a resultant of the spin that's injected into it if you like which is true it is it's not a natural force it's a force but it's you know we use uh, centrifugal governors on engines with balls on so that they the balls move away and it slows the engine down once the speed gets up to speed so it's a very mechanical 
uh, consideration. So that's why it took me so long. I was looking for an electrical ph phenomenon or a magnetic phenomenon or a, an anti-gravitational phenomenon, and it's neither of those things. It's a centrifugal mechanical phenomenon. So and that's why it was so difficult. So by default, I guess. Now, there's also another type now. of... Now, there's other, just a second. Let me, there's other types of anti-gravity energy. The energy we're talking about now, spinning and tornadoes and hurricanes. You take a hurricane, for example. A hurricane's made of water. It's cloud in the sky. So what you've got to do, if you look up at the cloud, you've got to divide the cloud vertically. Sorry, excuse me. Divide the cloud horizontally. So you've got water above, you've got cloud above this horizontal line and you've got cloud below the horizontal line. And those two uh, sets of cloud will give off hydrogen waves, uh, gravity waves, because gravity comes from hydrogen. So it comes from water. So water, water gives off gravity waves more than anything else. That's why it's not the moon pulling the tides, it's the moon following the water around the Earth. It's the water pulling on the moon. If you can imagine a guy doing press-ups on his door, door frame, the guy puts his hand on the door frame and pulls himself up to the ceiling by his hands and his arms. It's the, it's the, the guy moving towards the door frame, not the door frame moving towards the guy. Do you see the difference? Mm -hmm. And that is the difference with the moon. Now, the thing is, with, we're talking about anti-gravity, and there's two types now. I've discovered, and it's all beautiful and it's fascinating. That spinning type of centrifugal energy is anti-gravity, okay? That is anti-gravity for the purposes of flying saucers and for the purposes of describing how different weights fall to the floor at the same speed. However, there's another type of anti-gravity, and that is you can generate a wave in antiphase to a gravity wave coming from the Earth equal and opposite. So you cancel out the gravity wave. You see, when you spin something, it's not cancelling out the gravity wave. It's, it's no longer affected by the gravity wave because the centrifugal force is greater. You're not mm. The gravity wave from the Earth is still coming out of the Earth. You see that? The gravity wave from the Earth is still impinging upon uh, the apple and the disc and whatever spinning. Yeah, it's like kind of like EQing out audio hiss. You kind of just dial into that exact frequency where that sound is, and then exactly. that sound no longer exists. Okay, now, okay, now what we have to do, we have to get on to molecular bonding, because they're wrong on that as well. You see, they think there's three types of bonding, and there is, but not the way think, they think it. <laughs> they reckon there's three types of bonding. There's covalent bond, bonding, where uh, you've got two... Two, two atoms like carbon, oxygen, carbon, oxygen, and carbon. And the carbon sends out one electron and lassoes the oxygen atom next to it. And the oxygen sends out an electron and lassoes the, the carbon atom next to it, either side of it. So you've got two carbons and one oxygen. So you get CO2, carbon dioxide, and you get, they bond together, and it's quite stable. So now you've got another type of bonding called ionic bonding, which is what happens in the case of sodium chloride, for example, sodium chloride. What happens there is sodium's missing an electron, so it becomes a positive ion. Chloride has got an extra electron, so it becomes a negative ion. And so because they're different charges, they're ions, they attract each other and pull each other together. 
That's another type of bonding. Now, there's a third type of bonding, which they call hydrogen bonding, and they're wrong. Okay? Now, what they say is if you've got a hydrogen atom, which is, you take water, for example, H2O, you've got two hydrogens and one oxygen. And what they're saying is the hydrogen gives up an electron and lassoes the oxygen, just like a covalent bond that we described earlier. But it can't, because if a hydrogen gives up an electron, it's no longer hydrogen. It's only mm. got one electron. Mm. So it can't be right. <laughs> now, what's actually happening is we know hydrogen gives off gravity waves. It's the only atom to give off gravity waves except helium. Hydrogen and helium both give off gravity waves. The difference is helium's got neutrons, hydrogen hasn't. So hydrogen is the prime mover in the gravitational me mechanism. Hydrogen can make helium spin. Helium cannot make hydrogen spin because it does, it's got no neutrons in it. And you'll see that from the papers on my site. What a weird coincidence so, that they're both lighter than air, too. Exactly. Now, the thing is, what I discovered was hydrogen attracts oxygen, but oxygen doesn't attract hydrogen. How can it be? Hydrogen's got no spiked neutrons, so it can't be affected by gravity waves. That's why gravity waves from one hydrogen atom doesn't interfere with gravity waves from another hydrogen atom. Otherwise, all the radio waves would be interfering with each other. But it's the gravity waves that cause the atom to spin and the electrons to synchronize. So if you, you can't make another atom spin if it's got no neutrons, because the neutrons act like paddles on a water wheel. It's the neutrons that pick up the charge and cause the atom to spin. Okay, so we've got this third type of force now. It's not hydrogen bonding after all. <clears throat> it's not a weak sort of covalent bonding. It is actually gravity bonding. Ah, okay. So now we understand that hydrogen and oxygen bond together with their gravity waves. The hydrogen sucks the oxygen towards it, but the oxygen does not suck the uh, hydrogen towards it. That's proof. Okay. So <clears throat> all we have to do now is if we want to separate hydrogen from oxygen, instead of putting 20 amps through a bucket full of water using electrolysis, all we have to do is break the hydrogen bonds that are holding the water together, mm. which will take a million times less energy. Mm. So I can produce hydrogen a million times more effectively than conventional electrolysis at no cost. So, so does that mean that like uh, a helium balloon is actually is actually displaying anti-gravitic properties instead of? Uh, yes. What's happening? All that is the reason helium. All you've got to realize is helium is not being sucked to Earth by gravity waves because it's, it's got fewer electrons in it. Don't forget, we're going back to the windscreen wiper analogy. <clears throat> I put my windscreen wipers on. The I've got one windscreen wiper. I'm hydrogen. The car next door has got two windscreen wipers. He switches his, his on and his go backwards and forwards at exactly the same time as mine. And because of that, they're attracted to each other. You get another high, uh, atom next to that, another car, with 100 windscreen wipers like plutonium, that's really going to get sucked towards the Earth in a big way because it's heavy. 
It's got a hundred, wind speed, a hundred magnets in it being sucked to Earth. So helium is the second lightest atom on Earth. It's, only, it's got two electrons. Hydrogen's got one, helium's got two. So that's why helium has got the second least attractive force to Earth, and hydrogen has got the very least attractive force to Earth. Because, well, in fact, excuse me, hydrogen's got no attractive force to Earth because it's got no spiked neutrons. It's, it doesn't spin the same way as another atom. You see, the other atoms have more than one shell. Hydrogen has one shell. It's got one electron which orbits the proton in one shell, in one circle. If you take helium, that's got one shell as well, but it's got two electrons, two protons, and two neutrons. So it's a lot heavier than hydrogen. But you take something like uh, lithium, uh, that's got, I think, it's three electrons, three protons, three neutrons. That's heavier than the other two. Now, the three electrons in the lithium are in two different shells. One shell, you've, the, f the first shell of an atom can only sustain two electrons. It can only, it's only got two electrons in the shell nearest to the proton. If you want to add another electron to make it lithium, you've got to add another shell. And that shell is at 90 degrees to the first shell. And because of that, a normal atom doesn't spin of its own accord. It only spins when it's bombarded with gravity waves. So it doesn't spin of its own accord. So a normal complex atom, that is an atom with more than two electrons, doesn't spin of its own accord. It tumbles like tumbleweed. It's only when it is it, subjected to a gravitational field that the gravitational waves cause the atom to spin and the electrons to spin. And that's the difference. So as for the hydrogen being lighter than air, it's lighter than air because it's the lightest of every atom. There's no bits in it. There's only one bit in it, but there's no spiked neutrons. Hydrogen is not attracted to gravity waves from the Earth or anywhere else. So if you have enough hydrogen, then you have anti-gravity? Yeah, if you break the hydrogen bond, then you can produce anti-gravity. Is that how to simplify it then? Very much. If you imagine pushing on a child's playground swing, you put a child in a swing. Now imagine somebody who's not very bright and doesn't quite get the hang of it. Somebody who's not very bright who tries to push his child on a, spring, on a swing would get hold of the back of the swing and run forward without letting go of the swing. Then they'd run backwards without letting go of a swing. Then they'd run forwards without letting go of the swing. Then they'd run backwards and so on. Somebody who's brighter they would say, well, I don't need to hold on to the swing. I can wait till the sw swing comes back to me and give it a little push at the right time. Okay? Yeah. Now, compare that to electrolysis. Faraday, Michael Faraday, uh, and this would be about 1765, I think it was, mm -hmm. about that time. He put electrical current through water and he got bubbles and he found out the bubbles were hydrogen and oxygen. So and that was through experimentation. He didn't think about it. It was an accident. So he worked out that he could make, he can break down oxygen into, sorry, break down water into hydrogen and oxygen. The trouble is he puts like 20 amps through a bucket of water mm -hmm. continuously. He holds onto the swing continuously. Those 20 amps are flowing through that water all the time. Mm. Now, what I'm saying is you don't have to do that. If you've got the right frequency, the hydrogen frequency, and you shine it onto the water, 
you shine the gravity waves onto the water, you, get the, you have to tune the gravity waves to the right frequency, and then what will happen is you will break the gravity bonds, just like pushing on the swing at the right time. You will break the gravity bond that holds the hydrogen to the oxygen, and you'll produce the oxygen and the hydrogen, but you'll only use one microamp instead of one amp. So you'll produce hydrogen a million times cheaper. Wow. Easy. And Simple. And now, the only byproduct is oxygen. Yeah, and uh, I've written papers how to make hydrogen using anti-gravity energy and how to make gravity, uh, so how to make hydrogen using anti-gravity energy pro, uh, prototype design because I've designed several systems on how to do it. And it's all virtually free. So we can have free hydrogen now. Every car can be run on hydrogen. It's free. Water, all you need is water to fuel it, battery to start it, then a water to fuel it. And it's, you know, what, it's interesting, this concept of starting the car with a battery, which is what we do with the gasoline engine anyway. And once the battery is engaged and the engine's turned over and the petrol's sucked into the carburetor and we have ignition, then the battery, the solenoid releases the battery. And from that moment on, we use petrol, the fuel, as a propellant. And the car and to charge the battery up. So once it started, the fuel, the petrol, will charge the battery up. We can do exactly the same thing with a battery. <laughs> we start off the uh, the high frequency anti gravity generator. That breaks the water down. The water's sucked into so the hydrogen is sucked into the, uh, the the fuel carburetor, if you like. It's ignited, and then we release the battery again. So, and, and this is the same thing, you know, just going, which is something which is very, very interesting before I forget. I told you earlier that human beings are half God. We're electromagnetic energy inside. That's what yeah, the soul I is. I was going to ask you about that, yeah. Okay. Now, what happens is if they do IVF, in vitro fertilization, they can put the sperm into the egg in the test tube, but nothing happens unless they put a spark across it. They've got to put an electrical voltage in it. And once that spark is kicked in, <laughs> then, then the sperm and the egg start to divide uh, through mitosis. And the cells multiply from 2 to 4 to 8 to 16. And they use the, the, the fluid in the ovum as food. So once, it's like starting the car engine. Once that, engine, once that fetus, once that ovum has been impregnated, with a spark, it will, the electrical energy, will, the electrical currents will keep on flowing inside the zygote, that's the fetus, the early fetus, forever. And when the baby's born, the baby will eat food, and the food is like the petrol to the car engine. And so we've got a human being with electrical energy inside and the body. Now, the mm -hmm. body is just a lump of meat. Mm -hmm. And I always say, <clears throat> good ideas come from God, which is the soul inside. And bad ideas come from the body, or the brain and the heart, the feelings. So if you're in tune with a God frequency, you'll have lots of good ideas. And if you're not, you'll, you'll have bad ideas because the body is the devil. The, the, the body is carbon-based. It's, it's got six electrons, six protons, six neutrons. That's carbon. So you've got 666, the mark of the beast, the body. So human beings are half God and half devil. And when we're born, we have a choice. We can either become God or we can become a devil. 
And that's where your intelligence thing comes in as well, because we're because you figure that we're connected to, let's say, our soul or God or the basically the the uh, constant electromagnetic uh, force, right? Like th- through that, so we're all connected that way. So if people people can access uh, other, almost like the Akashic records, it's almost like the science behind the Akashic records. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yes, it is. Basically. You can be as intelligent. If you love God, you'll be super intelligent. It's like if you're playing darts, a game of darts with a dartboard and a dart, and you throw a dart. If you were to stand there thinking, I've got to throw the dart at 12 miles an hour, at three degrees from the horizontal, towards the northwest, you'd never hit the board. But if you pick up a dart and throw it, you'll hit your target, because it's not you throwing it. It's the God inside that's throwing it. It's instinct. Anything that's instinct is God. Which is your which is your electromagnetic force, is what you're saying. It's your electromagnetic force. In fact, it's a little bit more complicated than that because yeah. the voltage I re- referred to, let's say the uh, your voltage that voltage is attached to the body. If you if you have IVF and you, they put a spark in a quarter of a volt. <clears throat> That might grow to, say, 5 volts by the time you're born. Right. So your body, your body is minus 5 volts. Now, <clears throat> what happens is, if we take Einstein's equation, E equals mc squared, and if God is energy, E equals mc squared, energy is God, electromagnetic energy. And let's say in the beginning there was a million volts. God had a million volts in the beginning. But God threw a piece of himself away. Let's say he threw away 100,000 volts. So that leaves God at 900,000 volts. And he threw a piece of himself away to create the physical universe. So that 100,000 volts crossed Einstein's equation, E equals mc squared, and went to the other side. Now, when you move something from one side of an equation to the other, you've got to change the algebraic sign. So if God threw away 100,000 volts, when it goes to the other side of the equal sign, it must become minus 100,000 volts. That one minus 100,000 volts then explodes with a big bang, and we get the physical universe and everything in it. So everything in the physical universe is the opposite voltage to God. So if God is 900,000 volts, and the physical universe is minus 100,000 volts, and God is in heaven then everything in the physical universe, which is the opposite to heaven, must be hell. So everything we see around us with negative voltage, including the stars, the planets, every living thing, the plants, the trees, every living thing is hell and the devil. Now what happens is, if uh, I love you, don't forget, I've got an emotional body, an intellectual body, a spiritual body, and a physical body. I've got four Mm. bodies. Now if I love you... Let's say I have a dollar and you have a dollar. If I give you my dollar in the physical world and you give me your dollar in the physical world, we finish up with a dollar each, which seems to tell us we can't get something for nothing. But now if you look at the intellectual world, let's say I've got an idea and you've got an idea. If I give you my idea and you give me your idea, I finish up with two ideas and it doesn't cost anything. And you finish up with two ideas and it doesn't cost anything. Now if we extend that to the emotional world, If I love you, my voltage grows. So it grows from 5 volts when I was born to maybe 100 volts when I'm 50 or 60. It grows so much, I radiate light from my head. 
That's why holy people are shown with light radiating from their heads. Now, when my body gets too weak to hang on to that voltage, the voltage will leave my body and go back to God. Now, if I was 5 volts when I was born and 100 volts when I die, God has grown by 95 <laughs> volts. Yeah, yeah. So God gets bigger. <laughs> now, it, so that's, free energy, I, it, that's free energy right there, really. Yeah. Now, well, if I hate you, I, I, if I, I hate yeah, you, then yeah. my voltage goes down to a volt. So when my voltage is too weak, when my body's too weak to hang on to my soul when I'm sick, and my voltage in my carbon body goes down, my soul is released, and it will look around the physical universe for a one-volt body. Not a five-volt fetus, a one-volt baby. Now, that could be a baby worm, or a baby flower, or a baby tree. So I will grow up to be a flower in my next life. So when we... A flower is not a flower. A flower is God in disguise. It's actually God, electromagnetic energy, holding together the atoms and molecules that make up the flowers and the leaves and the petals and everything else. And when the flower dies, that soul will be released. That's how things it, grow. That's how things evolve. That, that's the way it happens. Yeah. Every living thing is got in disguise. So next time you squash a mosquito, you've got to remember, you've just squashed God. That could be your great uncle. <laughs> You don't know, you see. Lower, and this lower is why voltage. Such... If he was hate, in lower voltage. <laughs> yeah, lower voltage. Again. Yeah. Now, also, there are mechanisms in the soul world, and I described this in the lost tomb of Viracocha in about uh, 2001. Now, if you imagine you've got a car windscreen, let's pretend the windscreen, for, for the purposes of illustration, is 100 volts. Now, if you throw a brick, brick through the windscreen, you finish up with 100 pieces of glass of one volt each. So what we get is windscreen shatter. Now, in the physical world, you can have a physical breakdown. In the intellectual world, you can have an intellectual breakdown. In the emotional world, you can have an emotional breakdown. And in the, phys in the soul world, you can have a spiritual breakdown. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so when your soul leaves your body, it comes back as 100 one-volt souls. So it comes back as a ball of mosquitoes or a shoal of fish. And all the fish stay together in a, in a shoal. Or all the mosquitoes stay together. Or all the cows in the field point in the same direction when they're eating the grass. So they're separate, but there's something holding them together. They're all the same soul. They're all part. Of, and when they all die off one by one, maybe they come back as human beings. If you look at cows, I go for walks. I live in the Irish countryside. I go for walks and I see cows. That's female cows, of course. A female cow... A young female cow jumping onto the back of another young female cow. Now, why would a young female My cow do that? Do that. It, well, why would, because in the soul world, men come back as women and women come back as men. That's why. So cat, bulls come back as cows, cows come back as bulls. And this is what we call instinct. The cow was a bull in its last life, and it used to jump on the back of cows. And that's why it still jumps on the back of cows when it reincarnates. So does that mean that in, in a couple generations, China's going to have 50 million extra women? <laughs> <laughs> what? Why? What? Why? Well, I, just watched, <laughs> I watched a documentary the other day that said because of Chinese 
China's old laws, there's like 50 million extra dudes there now, and there's like oh. there's no women for them. Oh, oh, I see. You mean you've wow. got too many men? I see. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, they will combat the opposite sex. Generally speaking, I mean, there are exceptions. I won't go into that, but generally <laughs> <Yeah>. speaking. <laughs> Wow. So I want to, I just, I do want to get into uh, the leaky gut stuff as well. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I also just wanted to, while we're still on that subject of free energy and all that, I mean, I love that version of what you just talked about. Like it really makes me visualize almost how our reincarnation and evolution and the continual right, gro right, growth yeah. of living things in nature, like it's almost how nature recycles itself and works. Like it, it is really easy to visualize. But it I do, is. But I do want to get back to that, how the, how the, propulsion system would work for like an anti-gravity flying saucer like we were almost there with with um you know breaking down the the hydrogen so is that how you envision some sort of propulsion system working then no you could have free hydrogen and that would certainly get us we could put the free hydrogen into con conventional rockets right. and it would be free and it would be cheap but no to get off the, the surface of the earth we need uh anti-gravity caused by uh centrifugal force acting on the electrons and stopping them reacting to the gravity waves from the earth so somehow we've got to spin whatever it is that's getting off the earth as soon as it begins to spin the centrifugal force on the electrons inside the spinning disc will uh, be become desensitized to gravity waves on the earth and it will float without fuel so that's what we've got to do now I say okay well how are we going to do that well it seems to me going back to the tornado it's the spinning air around the tornado. All of this spinning air uh, has its electrons in a circular fashion. And, and so the, anything inside the tornado would uh, synchronize its electrons with those on the outside spinning. In other words, the spinning air becomes a source of pseudo-gravity. Okay? It's not gravity. It's electrons that are caught in a particular position due to centrifugal force. Let's call it pseudo-gravity. It's, it's the, uh, the uh, centrifugal force. So we say, well, okay, how can we get air spinning around an object to get it off the ground? Well, at this stage, only two weeks, don't forget, since I figured this out. <laughs> at this stage, it seems to me, if we have a load of water vapor coming out of uh, jets, horizontally in a craft <clears throat> like a catherine wheel you know like a catherine wheel on the ground horizontally if you have loads of jets of air coming out from all points on the catherine wheel all the way around it 20 shoots of air then the circulating air should insulate the craft which is inside the spinning air vortex it would create a vortex around the craft and that should allow the craft to overcome the gravity of the Earth. Hmm. That's the only like thing I can... Do we know the speed that air has to be traveling at? Well, don't forget, we do actually. And I suppose a, a physicist would be more familiar with it, or even a mechanical engineer than me. You would have to... The speed would equate to 32 feet per second falling inside a gravitational field because that's the maximum speed an object can fall, don't forget, before it's limited by centrifugal force. At that moment, centrifugal force becomes greater than gravity. So the object stops being succumbed to gravity, and it floats for a trillionth of a second. Now, that force can be calculated 
I'm sticking to the 32 feet per second. It's good enough for me. I'm saying once it gets to 32 feet per second, the electrons can no longer uh, follow the spin of gravity waves from the Earth, and instead they're subject to, the, to an outward force of uh, centrifugal force, just like the breakfast cereal on the spinning disc. They're all getting thrown towards the edge of the disc. They're locked against a wall, if you like, inside, so they can't spin anymore. So what about... Um... Can you can you dial that one one notch further and and like go through like the opposite of gravity where it repels it, or does switching it automatically do that? No, because you got to be careful because the gravitational force is alternating magnetism, and there is no known way of measuring an alternating magnetic force. We can measure an alternating electrical force. We just put a diode and a capacitor into an avometer, a multimeter, and we can rectify the alternating voltage to give us a DC voltage into a meter, which gives us a reading. But there is no known way of measuring an alternating magnetic force, which is, mag which is alternating 1.42 trillion times a second. So we need to shut that off instead of... So, so theoretically, though, if you could read that... You could, if you could somehow go exactly opposite, it would repel. It would repel, exactly. And instead, you're just generating a field that shuts that off, or basically, you, you're somehow... I'm shielding. Away if from if you spin it, it... Yeah, shielding is a good, good word, yeah. Yeah, if you spin it, you effectively shield it. You see, people imagine that... The, if you imagine gravity waves coming out of a torch, imagine that you could see a gravity wave coming out the end of a flashlight. Now, and you shine that flat, okay? You shine that flashlight towards uh, a sheet of wood, a sheet of hardboard, six foot sheet of hardboard. Now, people imagine that you cannot shield gravity waves; that the gravity waves from the gravity torch would go straight through the wood and out the other side. That's not what happens. What happens is the gravity waves from the gravity torch hit the board, and then the, the atoms in the board all begin to spin and give off their own gravity waves, oh, which come oh. out the other side of the board. There's, there's a difference, you see. It's not, it's not going through the board. It, it, doesn't, it never does that. Gravity waves don't do that. They impinge upon the neighboring atom. The neighboring atom then spins, and the neighboring atom then gives off a gravity wave. But you would think it's coming from the original gravity wave, going straight through. But it's not. Do you see the difference? Yes. It's subtle, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. See? Now, people seem to think that gravity waves can't be shielded. Gravity waves, there's no need to shield them because they can't grow through anything. But when they hit something, everything in the... That matter, whether it's a football or a cabbage or a block of wood, the atoms begin to spin and give off their own gravity waves in the same direction as the torch in the first place. They're going in the same direction. So you wouldn't know which gravity waves you were measuring, whether or not they were coming from the original torch or the little torches inside the block of wood. Hmm. Interesting. So how did how did you uh, get into the leaky gut stuff? Was it from this type of uh, work? Because you've you've also looked at um, how the sun cycles and gravity affect us as 
you know, our meat suits yeah. or whatever, or our physical bodies. But I'm inter- I'm really interested in because I've been hearing so much about leaky gut lately, and yeah, and all these other things. Like, was that a sort of parallel research, or did it was it something personal that led you that, down that direction? It was. It was. I suppose you could say it was gravity that led me to it, <laughs> in, in a, because uh, working on gravity was very stressful, and uh, it was the stress that gave me the leaky gut, <clears throat> and. Uh, it nearly killed me, in fact. Oh, you, so you I went, did. So you had that personally. This was a, an issue personally. Oh yeah, I had yeah. it personally. And I went to the doctors, and they said, "There's nothing wrong with you." Yeah. And I said, "I think there is, because I'm not at all very well." And they said, "No, there's nothing wrong with you." Anyway, what what was happening was I had all sorts of strange symptoms, and I noticed when I was at college in my twenties, and also again in my thirties when I went back in my thirties. And because uh, I did electrical communications and I also did uh, a degree in business in my 30s when I left the Navy. And uh, I noticed every time I had an exam, I got flu. It seemed like I got flu. I got hot and sweaty and uh, a sore throat. Mm. So I thought it must be flu. And I couldn't understand how it was being caused. Now, I had an awful lot of exams, dozens and dozens and dozens of exams in my life. And every time I got flu, and it was very difficult to do the exam because of that, and it was even more stressful. Anyway, over the years, I began to try and figure out what could be causing it. And what happened was, I tried, I just kept trying stuff. And because I got a sore throat when this happened, I went to the local chemist a chain of chemists in England, and I bought some throat lozenges. And I had three throat lozenges in the course of a day, and I got better instantly. From being feverish and delirious, I got better. And I thought, well, that's strange, because if it's a sore throat, it must be a virus. And the virus doesn't, isn't affected by the very, very tiny amount of antibiotic in these throat lozenges. Very, very tiny amount. They were over-the-counter throat lozenges. But I got up from being delirious to being perfectly healthy in 12 hours. So I thought, well, obviously, whatever it is I've got reacts to antibiotics. So next time it came, I went to the doctor and I said, can I have some antibiotics because I've got a sore throat? And he said, no, because it's a virus and you'll get better. I said, well, I've done some experiments and I'm pretty sure that antibiotics will work. And he said, no. So... (laughs) When I was on board ship, I could get all the antibiotics I wanted. So next time I got it, uh, during a period of stress, I took one antibiotic and I, from dying, from being on death's door in bed, with delirium and a hot temperature, one or two antibiotics, and I could get up and walk about within 12 hours again. And I thought, this is really strange. So the years passed by and I got older and older and the, the condition got worse and worse. And I went to my doctor again, another doctor, and he wouldn't give me the antibiotics. And I said, look, I really am ill this time. I'm telling you, I'm getting delirious and it's worse and worse. I get backache and really sick. And if you don't give me some, I'm going to die. He said, no. So I thought, okay. So I got on the plane and I flew to Mexico. This is from England. And I bought seven boxes of antibiotics (laughs) at the airport, Mexico City Airport. And I flew back home again. And they kept me going for about three or four years. Every time I needed uh, an antibiotic, I would take a course. I wouldn't just take one or two because I didn't want to create resistance to them. 
So I did try to react responsibly, and I took about two or three courses a year. And eventually I worked out the mechanism, and it was leaky gut. And so the leaky gut paper's on my site. Now what happens is this. In my case, it was stress, but it can be caused in about five or six different ways. It can be caused uh, through diet. If you have chlorine in water, the chlorine will kill the bac good bacteria in your gut and make your gut inflamed. That will give you irritable bowel syndrome. Now, stress will do the same. If you're stressed, you produce adrenaline. So every time I had an exam and I got stressed, I produced too much adrenaline. That would make my activate my bowels. That would uh, make my bowels irritable. And again, I would get uh, upset bowels, irritable bowel syndrome. Now, that goes on month after month, year after year. If you go to the doctors, they'll say, there's no problem there. It's irritable bowel. Don't worry about it. But it will kill you. There is no question whatsoever. This will kill you. And it's insidious how it works. So now you've got irritable bowel and the bowel becomes very inflamed. Then what happens is you have something like yeast or gluten. Now, yeast is like a bacteria. It's a single cell organism. And the way they multiply, it's like if you can imagine a grain of rice, a long grain of rice, it's like a bacteria. It grows twice as long as the grain of rice when it multiplies, when it replicates, then it divides into two and becomes two new uh, yeast cells. And it's just like a bacteria growing twice as long as it is and then dividing itself into two and it becomes two new bacteria, two bacteria instead of one. Well, what happens is the yeast, <clears throat> the gluten, the sticky, gluten is a sticky protein found in many grains, most grains except rice. So rice is the answer to your problems if you've got leaky gut. <clears throat> now what happens is the gluten, first of all, glues the velvet hairs inside your small intestine where the digestion takes place. The tube where all your food goes into your gut, your small intestine, comes from the stomach into the small intestine. And little velvet hairs suck all the goodness out of the food and it's pushed on into the large intestine, the food. Well, what happens is when you're gut dysbiosis, when it's unbalanced, your gut becomes red raw and the velvet starts to have bald patches in it. The, the velvet starts to fall off your gut inside mm -hmm. and it can't take the goodness out of your food. That's the first thing. So you don't get the nutrition you're supposed to be getting. The second thing is the gluten then, this glue comes into your gut from bread and it glues down the velvet that's left. If you remember at school, when you were about five or six years old, you used to make glue out of flour and water. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? That's how you make glue. That's what you eat. When you eat a loaf, you're eating glue. And that glues down the velvet hairs in your gut. So now your gut's in a bit of a mess. You've got bald patches in the velvet, and what's left of the velvet's glued down. Now you have some yeast. And this, this bacteria-shaped yeast cell enters your gut and gets stuck in the gluten. Mm. It, it, gets, it goes flying into your gut and plunges in like something coming out of the sky plunges in the side of your gut and gets stuck in the little velvet hairs which are all glued down and messed up and then it starts to multiply it gets twice as long as it multiplies before it divides into two well that's like shooting bullets through the, your gut as those as those yeast cells double in length, they can't move because they're glued into the velvet. They're stuck. So they shoot through your gut. You get holes all inside your gut. 
And this was, a, you know, there's a way of murdering people in India. They used to get tiger's whiskers and chop them up with scissors, little bits of tiger's whisker, and put them in the food. And when people ate them, they put millions of holes in the gut and they died through an agonizing death. Uh, in, in, in about two hours, they'd be dead. Because the tiger's whisker is very brittle and dry and it behaves just like yeast does. It puts holes in your gut. So now you've got leaky gut now. So it, now the fun starts to happen because in your gut, you've got all sorts of poison, toxins. So those toxins start leaking through your gut now. <clears throat> and it's not just the toxins. What you've just eaten starts leaking through the gut as well, the cauliflower, the cabbage, the cornflakes, everything else. Mm -hmm. And your immune system is monitoring your blood. Your hypothalamus in the brain is monitoring the blood. It's monitoring temperature. It's measuring the viscosity. It's measuring the, uh, the salt in the blood. It's measuring the potassium. It's measuring all of the other uh, chemicals and stuff in your, in your blood. And it notices chunks of cauliflower flying around. And it can't imagine where these have come from because they shouldn't be in the blood. And it thinks it's bacteria, a right. strange kind of bacteria called cauliflower. Now, when you get a cold in your nose or your head, the hypothalamus senses the, the virus and it produces histamine. Histamine makes your nose water to flush out the virus in your nose. So... What happens with your immune system when it sees this food in your bloodstream? It starts to produce histamine to flush out the cauliflower and the cabbage and the fillet steak and all the rest of it. Now, that's problematic because the the, hang on a minute, the histamine will make your eyes water. We call this mechanism allergy. This is what an allergy is. All allergies are leaky gut. So... If you have hay fever, the pollen goes into your gut or it's absorbed through your nose, the membrane in your nose, or it's absorbed through a membrane in your lung and it gets into the bloodstream where it shouldn't be. The blood recognizes it's in there and it does two things. It produces histamine to flush them out, which makes your eyes water, makes you sneeze. But now the real problems start because histamine dilates blood vessels. If you've got a crack in a blood vessel, histamine will make that crack 10 times bigger. So if you've got leaky gut, the leaky gut now gets 10 times worse. So now you've got T-bone steaks coming through your gut, not just cabbage and cauliflower. You've got enormous problems down your gut because of this histamine and these allergies. Now, it's not even started yet. Now, all the toxins in your gut start to leak from your gut into your bloodstream. This is the real bad news. These poisons then start to attack the nerves. It, it burns the myelin after about two weeks. It, I had this flu, don't forget, when I was taking exams. When it was bad, if I didn't go to bed and relieve the stress, I'd, I wouldn't get better. and It would come back every six weeks. It's like keep getting flu every six weeks, but it's not flu, it's leaky gut. So just, just to say to anybody out there, the symptoms of leaky gut are watery eyes. That's the first one. Lower backache in the muscles in the lower part of your back, burning backache in the muscles because as the poison leaks from your gut, it affects the muscles in, the, in your back. And, and that gives you a really bad backache, like a, a dagger in your back, either side of your spine. 
Now, the toxins, first of all, they attack every organ in your body, basically. If you take antibiotics, what will happen is you kill all the bugs in your gut. Now, the toxins are coming from the bugs in your gut when the bugs go to the toilet inside you. So if you've got bad bacteria inside you, the bad bacteria appears when the bugs defecate inside you. It's, the, it's what they pump out of them, which is toxic. So if you kill the bugs with one antibiotic tablet, all the bugs are dead. It's like setting an atom bomb off inside you. And after, but what will happen is, if you have one antibiotic tablet, or you don't need antibiotics, in fact, I would advise people not to take them. All you need is a spoonful of raw garlic. Swallow a spoonful of raw chopped garlic that will kill all the bugs in your gut. And then, 24 hours later, you'll get a stinking migraine because all of those bugs turn to toxins as well. So it's not just the, the, the toilet residue from the bugs. It's the bugs themselves turn to toxins. So you'll get a wave of toxin coming through your gut, affecting your brain, and burning your brain out like acid. It's like acid burning your brain out. But then... If you can stay in bed for two days and get over the headache, the migraine, then you'll be better and you'll be as happy. You, the garlic will have killed all the bugs for a week, but a week later they'll come back again. So you've got to take a spoonful of garlic every week. Now, when the toxins go through the lining of the gut, they start burning the myelin off the nerves. Now, myelin, that's insulation. It's, it's like electrical wiring. Your nerves are electrical wires. They're covered in myelin insulation. Myelin is made from cholesterol. So your brain will tell your body, your brain will start shaking like Parkinson's disease. So your body will start to shake <clears throat> like Parkinson's disease and you'll start to twitch. Your eyes will start to twitch, your eyelids and things like that as the nerves start to short out. So your brain will tell your body to make more cholesterol, to make more myelin. Okay, so myelin makes cholesterol. Now, what happens is with people with multiple sclerosis, their myelin's damaged, probably, I can't be 100% sure, but probably by leaky gut toxins. And that's what, you know, kills them off in the end. So it's not just Parkinson's, it's not just uh, multiple sclerosis, it's not just dementia. It's, it's a lot worse than that. Now, I've not even started yet. I've not started this mechanism. We're talking about how irritable bowel leads to leaky gut once it's exacerbated with yeast and gluten, how you get allergies, how the to toxemia destroys the my myelin, how it then burns out your adrenals, so you stop producing adrenaline and cortisol. Cortisol is the anti-inflammatory hormone, so you can't get rid of inflammation. It's also the anti-stress hormone. So if you're stressed, and it's a stress that's giving you the leaky gut, you've no defense from the stress now, which you would normally have from cortisol. So what happens is the brain tells the body to make more cholesterol, to make more myelin, to repair the damaged nerves. What happens then is you get a lot of cholesterol and you get white lumps of fat over your eyelashes on the top of your eyes. If you see anybody with white lumps of fat over their eyelids, it's because or around their eyes, they've got a cholesterol problem, it's too high. Go to the doctor, they'll put you on statins, the statins will stop your liver producing cholesterol, which means you won't produce any myelin, which means you'll get Parkinson's. Jesus. This is what's going on, right? Yeah. Now, 
So you allow your liver, you don't take the statins if you've got a brain in your head, you don't take the statins because your brain's trying to repair the damage in your body. So you allow the liver to make more cholesterol and the cholesterol then starts to bung up the arteries in your heart because it's making more and more and more. It's saying, I've made some cholesterol, that hasn't worked. I'm going to make some more cholesterol, that hasn't worked. I'm going to make some more cholesterol, that hasn't worked. Your body's doing the best it can to repair it, but because your leaky gut is burning the insulation off the, the, the nerves, as fast as it's being repaired, you, you, you're fighting against the wind, if you like. So then I went to the uh, <clears throat> heart doctor, and, uh, well, actually, no, there was a step before that. I went to see an endocrinologist because all my eyes swelled up one day and they were really inflamed. All my eyelids and puffed out. I couldn't see through them. I was, you know, they were massive. Anyway, the doctor gave me some eye drops and I said, I don't think it's eye drops. I think it's hormonal. He said, well, there are antibiotics. Give them a try for three days. Three days later, I went back. I said, that didn't work. So he put me in antibiotic tablets for a week. That didn't work. I said, I want to see an endocrinologist. It must be hormonal. So he went to see a, I went to see him. This is a true story. He went to see a, an endocrinologist. He charges 150 euros for about half an hour. <clears throat> and he did all sorts of tests. And he did tests for an hour the first time. And he says, you're all right. There's nothing wrong with you. I said, I can't be. I'm dying. He said, no, you're perfectly fine. I said, well, I'm not leaving here until you do more tests. Now, I always take my wife with me for a witness when I go and see a doctor. So I, said, I, I, I sat in the chair and I said, I'm not leaving until you do more tests. He said, well, he threw his pen onto the desk. He folded his arms. He sat back in his chair. He said, what do you want me to test for? I said, well, my throat aches. I've got a sore throat all the time. I might have glandular fever. I mean, I'm not a doctor. All I can tell you is where it hurts. I said, why don't we check the thyroid? Maybe it's the thyroid. That's in my neck. He said, right. So he got his needle out. He took some blood. I took it down to the hospital. Two days later, he called me up. He said, you've got to come in straight away. Oh. He says, your adrenal, your uh, thyroid gland should be about 12. He says, yours is 66.5. He says, you've, that's the Guinness World Record, by the way. He says, you've got to come in. Go on beta blockers in immediately to bring your heartbeat down from 140 beats a minute to something more reasonable around about 75 and you've got to go on to this is even worse it's a nightmare you've got to go on to antithyroid medication <clears throat> so i said well what's actually going on he said well now i know what's going on the leaky gut the toxins burned out the adrenals and they burned out the thyroid affecting the thyroid so I said to him, so what, what do you think is going on? And he said, well, what, what happens in a case like this when your eyes swell up like that? You're producing too many white cells, immune cells. For some reason, the body's producing too many immune cells, and they attack the thyroid in your throat. And your thyroid, therefore, pumps out too much thyroid hormone, your heart beats too quickly, and you have a heart attack. So we've got to put you on these antithyroid tablets. He said, well, actually, you don't have to do that. There's three things you must decide. You've got to decide one of three choices. We can rip out your thyroid and throw it in the dustbin with a knife, and then you can take thyroid drugs for the rest of your life, or option number two, you can drink some radioactive iodine that will burn out your thyroid, and it'll be no good in the future. So you'll have to take thyroid drugs thyroid hormone pills for the rest of your life. Okay. Or we can give you some uh, 
uh, antithyroid drugs, carbamazole it was called, and you take those for, <clears throat> he said, 18 months, and your thyroid will, the, the thyroid hormone will come, come down from its present value of 66 till it's normal, and then you'll come off, but most people, they're off it for three or four months, and they have to go back on the tablets again. So I said, well, I'll t I, I knew it was leaky gut that caused it. So I said, okay, I'll go on the tablets. I was on the tablets. I wasn't on for 18 months because I knew what caused it, yeast and gluten. So I stayed off the bread. I stayed off the biscuits. I stayed off the orange juice, which has got histamine in it. I stayed off all the things which exacerbate leaky gut. Mm -hmm. And the thyroid came down in eight months, and I was able to come off the tablets. And I've been fine ever since. And that was fine. no more Graves disease. That's thyroid problem. That's now for nearly four years. <clears throat> So I said to the endocrinologist, I said, oh, by the way, when I'm here, while I'm here, I don't think I'll be coming back again because I'm, it's come down now. Can you talk to the guy in the office next door? Because my heart doesn't feel so good. When I walk 40 yards, you know, I get breathless. So he said, yeah, all right. Anyway, I, went to, I did go see him again about a month later. I said, did you arrange the appointment? He said, oh, no, I forgot. So I said, well, look, can you talk to the guy next door in the hospital, the, the cardiologist, and make an appointment for me? Two weeks later, we made an appointment. I went in to see the cardiologist. He said, well, we didn't, we've done an ECG, an electrocardiograph, and your heart's fine. It's beating fine. We've done an echo test, and we can tell from the echo of the pump, the beating of the valves, that the valves are okay. And we've done a treadmill test. We put you on the treadmill, and you ran for half a mile, and when you've exceeded your load, it was beating normally. Uh, so we can't really understand why you're getting breathless, because it sounds all right, seems to be all right. But because you have told me you can only walk 40 yards, I'm going to put an instrument inside your heart and check out your veins just to see how they are. We're going to give you an angiogram which is they put something in a vein and it, a tube and it goes up into the heart and they have a look around to see what, what's going on. Anyway, <clears throat> usually what they do, it's about a 20-minute operation, these, these modern heart operations. It's like going to the dentist. It's, it's in and out and it's no problem at all. So he slid this tube up my arm and he looked in the heart and he said, okay, he says, you've got a 99.9% .9 blockage in the lower left ventricle. I can't understand how you're still alive. <laughs> So I said, well, are you going to put a stent in? Because you're perfectly conscious while all this is going on. I'm lying on my back in the operating theater. So he said, yes, it should take about 15 minutes. Three hours later, I was still there. And he said, I can't get it in. The blockage is too small. It's at a junction, a Y-shaped junction, which is making things difficult. I really need three hands. And I need another tool, which I haven't got. So what we're going to do is going to keep you in hospital for two nights and we'll take you up in an ambulance to Dublin, which is about, uh, I guess it must be about 300 miles away. <clears throat> I've got a friend in Dublin and I'll come up to Dublin on Saturday and we'll both have a go at putting a stent in to open up the artery. It's like a little spring, a tubular spring. So again, I went up to Dublin in an ambulance. They did it again and two of them managed to get the stent in in about another three hours. So it took them about eight hours altogether. So, uh, and the heart's been okay ever since. So, what we see now <clears throat> is the stress <clears throat> or the other causes of leaky gut will cause irritable bowel. <clears throat> irritable bowel will cause leaky gut. 
Leaky gut will allow toxins to leak through. The toxins will burn out your endocrine system. Your liver will produce more cholesterol to make more insulation to repair the nerves. That will bung up your heart. That will give you a heart attack. And then when you come out of hospital with a stent, they'll put you on blood thinning drugs, which makes the blood thin, which could give you a stroke. This is the barbarism that's going on today in modern medicine. All for the sake of a spoonful of garlic. Now, if you, if you suspect, and now half the people listening to this show will have leaky gut. 50% of the population's got it, I assure you, yeah. in different, different forms. You can test if you've got leaky gut very, very simply. Get up mm -hmm. in the morning, take a clove of garlic, chop it up, wash it down with a glass full of water, and don't eat anything for two hours. Let the garlic kill the bugs before you dilute it. And then just carry on as normal. If you've got leaky gut, you will get a migraine headache 24 to 36 hours later. As all the bugs die off, turn into toxins, leak through the gut, and start attacking your brain. You will know you've got leaky gut if that happens. How long so you will that can last? Test it. Sorry? How long will the headache last? The headache will probably last, a garlic headache, I'd say in my case, it depends. If, if you've killed millions and billions and billions of bugs, it's going to take longer. But from the garlic, it should last about, if you're on a maintenance dose of garlic, probably about 18 hours. But it's an awful headache, really, and it's behind the eyes, and painkillers won't touch it. It just won't go near it, paracetamol yeah. and stuff like that. And you mustn't take ibuprofen and nonspecific uh, NSAIDs, they call them, don't they? Non-specific. Uh, Antihistamines? No, they're, I'll tell you Anti, in a second. Anti-inflammatories? Anti-inflammatories. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory yeah. drugs, that's yeah. it. <clears throat> because they'll, they'll cause a leaky, leaky gut. They'll burn holes in the gut. So there are several ways of getting leaky gut, and uh, I've got a, a list of them here. Yeah, can, I, can I ask a bit about it, also about um, how to test as well? Like, can... Uh, can an will an ultrasound do that if they if they do multiple like internal and external ultrasounds? Can no, nothing that? can. No, uh, uh, ultrasound won't find it. Uh, MRI scan won't find it. CT scan won't find it because it's at the molecular level and there's nothing to see. A, a video endoscopy won't find it. I swallowed a camera. You can swallow a camera which takes a thousand pictures and it will photograph your small intestine on the well, photograph your throat, your stomach, the small intestine, large intestine, and then it comes out in the toilet the next day. And they, they look at the thousand photographs and they make a video out of it and it won't even show up on the video because it's at microscopic level. So there's no way of finding out unless you have the garlic. <clears throat> You could, you could take one antibiotic, that would do the same, but you don't really want to abuse antibiotics, so I wouldn't no, recommend no. that. Right. You could take some vitamin C, because vitamin C destroys bacteria. So you could take a gram of vitamin C, 1,000 milligrams, that will kill all the bugs in your stomach. But unfortunately, vitamin C does have a side effect. It can give a lot of people diarrhea. So that will make your irritable bowel worse, which will make your leaky gut worse. So the safest way is fresh raw garlic chopped up, washed down with water. Now, there's other ways of getting leaky gut. You could get it from an inhaler. If you're, on, if you're an asthmatic or on an inhaler, as I was for a few years, what you'll find is the inhaler opens up the airways in your lungs. It dilates the lungs. <clears throat> it also dilates your guts. So 
it goes onto the saliva in your mouth. You then swallow the saliva that goes in your stomach, and then all of the cracks in your stomach open up bigger because of the inhaler, which is not what you want. So inhalers cause leaky gut. So you, if at all possible, don't use an inhaler so, unless so, you have to. So if people have chronically used inhalers in the past, is, is there a good chance that they have leaky gut then? I'm pretty sure they have, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people take inhalers for allergies. What's an allergy? Allergy is leaky gut. But it makes leaky gut worse. It makes the allergy worse. A lot of people who take inhalers are not on them for asthma. They're on them because they're allergic, like me. I was allergic to dust. I was allergic to cigarette smoke and stuff like that. So the doctor put me on an inhaler, and that made the leaky gut a lot, lot worse. I have an inhaler, and I take allergy medicine all the time. And you, you have allergies too, right? Yeah, you're sneezing all the time. Yeah, well, you don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. Car- let's carry on with the uh, where we were going on about the leaky gut. They were talking about, I believe, how we couldn't. You can't figure it out through any sort of uh, means at all, like um, MRIs or CAT scans or anything like that. But I think we we're, right. we're a little bit past that as well. Either we just got we decided that I have leaky gut. That you have leaky gut because you have allergies. Because I have allergies and I had an inhaler. I still right. have an inhaler. I just don't use it a whole lot anymore. Right. Okay, well, I think it's important to realize that uh, there are five ways. I, I've documented or set down five ways in which leaky gut could be caused. Mine was caused by the stress, adrenaline, irritable bowel route. Some people get it from the inhaler. <clears throat> Some people get it from candida. Now, candida is a fungus which grows in the intestines, mm-hmm. and it's like dry rot. It's like tree roots that grow through the intestine and burst the, the intestine wall and cause the gut to leak. And then, of course, you've got dietary uh, causes. That's caused by yeast, gluten, histamine, or ingested bacteria. So you could get uh, bacteria from cheese, for example, could give you leaky gut. Uh, yeast, you've got to be very careful about yeast. It's in everything. All fresh fruit has yeast on it. You only have to put some fresh strawberries in the fridge for a week to see they get covered in mold. A mold is a form of yeast. So if you're going to have fruit, you've got to peel the fruit, even if it's an apple or a pear, to get rid of the yeast on the surface. Also, seeds, sharp seeds like strawberry seeds, raspberry seeds, they physically get stuck in the, a compromised gut wall mm. and burst the gut. So, and not only that, it can be very, very painful because... Uh, raspberry seeds will get stuck in the wall, make the gut leak, and stay there until they rot. So you're going to get a migraine for three weeks, maybe, and you'll be close to death. The pain will be so bad. Uh, I'm talking about serious pain with leaky gut. I'm not talking about a little headache. You'll be humming with pain. Uh, another one is I've discovered was... Uh, uh, how, how did I describe it? Uh, Metabolic toxemia, that's slightly different because as as you get onto this leaky gut program of pain, cure, recovery, Mm -hmm. pain, cure, recovery over and over again in your life, when the stress comes or if you drink water with chlorine in it, for example, and you, you can boil water to get rid of the chlorine just before you drink it. So that's not a real problem as long as you're aware of it. But uh, what happens is as the, pe- as the toxins strip off the myelin, 
then you, you're in pain, you then tend to take remedial action. For example, take some garlic to kill the bugs off, eat rice pudding to soak up all the stuff in your guts, rice pudding for three days, and uh, the pain will go away because the liver will start to cleanse the blood after a couple of days and clean the blood of toxins, and you'll fully recover. It's as though there is nothing ever wrong with you. So you'll recover from being on death. The, the toxins will stop the heart. They'll stop the lungs. <clears throat> they'll stop the kidneys. They'll stop the liver. They'll kill you. The toxins will give you toxemia and kill you. There is no doubt about that. If you don't address it, it might only be going to bed for a week to get away from the stress. And then the gut will heal. You get a new gut lining every five days. Every three to five days, you get a completely new gut lining. The old gut lining is shed and goes down the toilet. What were the things you said to eat uh, to, to help it heal right away? What you need to do if you get a bad attack of leaky gut is, first of all, kill the bugs with garlic. And that's going to make the pain a bit worse for a while, for a day or so. But then take rice pudding for two or three days. Rice is best. Just go on a rice-based diet. Rice crispies for lunch, for breakfast with boiled milk. Boil the milk to kill the bacteria. Rice, boiled rice with salt for lunch. Fried rice for dinner. Rice pudding for supper. Just go on rice for three days, and the headache will go after three days. If it's really, really bad, going on the rice for three days will heal the gut because during that three days, the rice pudding will allow your gut to heal and your gut will replace itself within three to five days. If you don't have the rice pudding, as soon as the gut heals, it'll become damaged again. And if you start having seeds from fruit and things like that, it's like trying to wrap a hedgehog up in cling film. <laughs> the spikes will come straight through the cling film. So if you start swallowing seeds, they'll go straight through your gut. And even though you've got a new gut, it's, it's the new there, gut... Yeah, will, yeah. The new gut will wrap itself around the sharp seeds and burst again. So how do you maintain that healthy gut then from there on if you've, if you've gone through these steps over the week-long week period, let's say? Okay. There's two papers on my website. Leaky gut, there's a, a, about a 12-page diagram which you can print out. It's all free of charge. Mm -hmm. uh, it's on a PDF. It's called Leaky Gut, the Cause of Allergies, Asthma, and Autoimmune Disease. And there's another one under that, which I only put on last week when I updated my website with the gravity. There's another one, an MS Word. That could be PDF now as well. I'm not sure how my guy put it on. It's PDF. But it's I called, think, yeah, yeah it's, it's called Treatment of Leaky Gut. Yeah. And that's in layman's terms what you have to do. Yeah. So the, the schematics, the 12 pages of schematics, I think are very informative. It will give you an idea of what you're up against. But uh, so let's start off. On, on day one, you suddenly realize somebody's, you've had a phone call with somebody, they've t suggested you've got leaky gut, you check, it, you check it out with garlic the next day to see if you get a headache, you do get a headache, that confirms that you've got leaky gut, it's the leaky gut which is making your backache, making your eyes water and giving you allergies. So what do we do about it? Well, you're looking at an eight-month program now. I mean, all I've mentioned is getting rid of the pain. Right. By having the garlic and taking the rice pudding for three days. Painkillers help a little bit, about 10%, but that's all. You're still going to be in, get under the sheets and just stay there in a bowl for three days. 
That's how bad it gets. Then when you get up, you've got to say, okay, I'm going to change my life. I don't want this leaky gut to come back. So if it's really bad, stay on the rice pudding. You'll be fine on rice pudding. You won't come back as long as you've been on rice pudding and the pain's gone. It shouldn't come back for a week at least. If you start to get a headache in a week from the toxin buildup again, do it the same again, garlic, rice pudding again. And what you'll, you'll find a pattern developing. If the pain, if the headaches come back after a week, you've got to say to yourself, look, I need garlic every five days, not every seven. You know, you've got to work so it out. So if you get yourself. on the right garlic schedule, you won't get the headaches? That's it. You won't get the headaches. Can you if do you too garlic much garlic? Off, what if I just do garlic every second day? That's too much. It will, it, that can irritate the, the bowels. You don't want to do that either. Uh, and you'll know that. You've got to look behind in the toilet when you get off the toilet. If the, if the water's stained brown, which it shouldn't be, the water should be perfectly clear with stools in it. And uh, stools might not be very good consistency, but the water should always be clear. If it's stained brown, that indicates there might be blood leaking into the gut, already brown. If you've got a really bad case of leaky gut, when you've got the loo, the water will be ready brown. And that's, it's not cancer or anything like that. It's just blood. If the toxins are leaking out, the blood's leaking in. So, you, you know, you know within three to five days you'll have a new gut lining. So you've got to create the right conditions for that to happen. It's like having a cut on the back of your hand. If you keep pulling the scab off, it won't heal. So you've got to create the conditions for the scab to form and the scab to drop off. And it's the same in your gut. If you've got leaky gut, you've got to create the conditions for healing first. You've got to take away the inflammation if possible, uh, soothe it with rice pudding. And I used uh, evaporated milk with rice pudding, not, not fresh milk. That's canned milk, evaporated milk mm -hmm. with rice and a little sugar. Try to wait, stay away from sweet things because... Sweet things cause the bacteria to multiply every few hours. That's the last thing you want. You want to starve the bacteria. So if you kill the bacteria off with the garlic, try not to eat sweet things because you'll multiply the bacteria. Okay, so you've discovered for yourself that you need garlic every five days. If you don't, you start to get a headache after seven. So take the one spoonful of garlic every five days. I certainly wouldn't recommend it every more than every three days. If you take it more than every three days, sooner than every three days, you'll be starting to damage the gut with the garlic. You'll be damaging the new gut lining. So again, you've got to be careful. Just do everything in moderation. So now you've got onto a regime whereby you're getting rid of all the pain now. There's no pain because you're killing all the bacteria in your gut every five days with garlic. You, you've got on a rice-based diet and a vegetarian diet. I would recommend you keep that up for about six months. Then try to go back on a more nutritious diet, uh, uh, salads initially. Stay away from the veg because they'll make you go to the toilet. You don't really want that. Uh, then you might have to be on garlic the rest of your life. You see, I'm on garlic now once a week and I have been for years now. But I still experiment. I'm, I, I still have a question. And that question is, if I'm getting a new gut lining every three to five days, why is the integrity of the gut permeable? Why is it leaking? Now, it could be women have a similar problem. They have a new womb lining every 28 days. 
when they get to the menopause, their hormones go wrong, and the womb lining doesn't replace itself every 28 days, and their menstrual cycle starts to go wonky. So the answer to that is to cut out the womb and have a hysterectomy, which is fine. You can't do that with a gut because you'll starve to death. So what works for a, a faulty womb won't work for a, for a faulty intestine. So we've got to say, okay, is it, is it long-term damage to the endocrine system causing a hormonal imbalance, which is me- making your gut not fully mature within the five-day period. So it might only be partially maturing and then shedding again because your biorhythms are wrong. This is what I, I believe. And it's because of the melatonin. Because uh, the toxins damage the adrenal glands, which produce adrenaline, adrenaline and cortisol. They damage the thyroid, which produces the thyroid hormone. They, they damage the pituitary gland in the brain, which produces ACTH, which is the adrenal uh, hormone that stimulates the, the adrenals. Uh, it affects the hypothalamus gland in the brain and the pineal gland, which affects the melatonin production, which is a timing hormone. Uh, and uh, what we're saying was, we know that in the case of a female around the age of 50, when her ostrogen and, and a progesterone cycle starts to go wonky. The womb stops uh, detaching as it should every 28 days, and the womb starts leaking, if you like, when it shouldn't be. They get what's called spotting. And the same thing could be happening with leaky gut. We get to a stage in our lives where the hormones go wrong, or the hormone organs have been damaged through the toxins, like through leaky gut, causing long-term damage. So now... I get a lot of thirst, for example, because my adrenals have been burned out with the toxins. So I wake up at five in the morning very thirsty, so I have to drink a lot. I have to stay off the carbohydrates, mainly mashed potatoes and sugars, because they use up cortisol. I'm still producing a little bit of cortisol. If I wasn't, I'd be dead. I could go on cortisol supplementation, but it's not very pleasant, and they won't give it to you unless you've got really bad Addison's disease, which is no cortisol whatsoever. I would recommend anybody with leaky gut go to a lab, uh, a clinical, uh, clinical trials lab, where they do test, clinical testing lab. In America, they're called Genova Diagnostics, G-E-N-O-V-A, mm-hmm. Genova Diagnostics. They're on the web. They're in America and England. And they'll do a cortisol saliva test. And basically, that will tell you a lot of information. You can have a cortisol blood test, but it doesn't tell you anything. Mm -hmm. It's not very sensitive. No good at all. A lot of the blood tests are no good. You can have a blood test for salt. But if you get low on salt, your brain will steal salt from your other organs and put it into the bloodstream. So the blood salt will remain at a good level. So you won't know you've got low salt. If you check for calcium in the blood, if you've got low calcium, your brain will steal calcium from your bones and put it into your blood. So you won't know you've got low calcium. In the same way, if you check for cortisol, you might have cortisol in the blood, but it's not affecting organs in the right way. It's not being used or taken up in the right way. If you've got 
cortisol in your saliva, then you know that cortisol is activated cortisol, which is being used. That's the difference. Uh. And what you do is you spit into a test tube, four different test tubes, every six hours, and freeze them. You send them to the lab, and the lab will check for the amount of cortisol in your saliva. All of your hormones are in your saliva. That's why your hormones are like software in a computer. If you put the wrong software in your computer, you'll get the wrong program, and your computer will do, start to do strange things. So Men have got cortisol in their saliva, and they've got testosterone in their saliva. Women have got progesterone in their saliva and oestrogen in their saliva. So when you kiss a female, you download her software, she downloads your software, and you start doing crazy things. <laughs> and you think, wouldn't it be a good idea to have a baby? <laughs> See, we, we go nuts. When you stick your tongue in somebody's mouth, you go nuts, you go insane. And you think having babies is a great idea. And that's the only way God can make people have babies. Because nobody in their right mind would have a baby. Nobody would bring a baby into this world of pain. So God has to make human beings mentally ill to get pregnant. And that's how he does it. He puts the hormones in the saliva. The saliva makes you go nuts. You then think it's a good idea to have babies. And then it's all over. <laughs> so you're, all over. you're also talking about avoiding and eating certain, certain foods like seeds and nuts, which is, it's tough because a lot of people are looking at some of this food that you're in here um, mentioning is, is very healthy right now, like getting the, you know, the healthy fats from nuts and stuff like that. But you're saying avoid nuts and seeds and avoid gluten and avoid wheat and histamine bearing foods as well. Yeah. Yeah, and yeast on natural fruits, don't forget. Right. Because that's a, that's, uh, that's a killer, that one. You don't know it's there. You, you, you think you're eating an apple, but it's coated. You can't see the yeast. And it, it, you've got to be very, very judicious about getting better. What about, the, what about the drinks like kombucha? Uh, what's kombucha? It's, like, uh, it's got the live, uh, live like, good bacteria no, in it. Nothing. Never nothing touch like anything live. Not when you've got a compromised gut, because it'll eat straight through your gut. One thing I mentioned earlier, which I didn't finish on, actually, was this, this mechanism, which is very important. After you've taken your garlic, you get better. Right. The liver will cleanse the blood. Right. And the liver, when it cleanses the blood, some of it gets wasted when you go to the loo. But the rest of the, the toxins the liver cleans out are stored in fat deposits in your body where there's no nerves. So all the fat in your body has got those toxins that gave you a headache last week or last month are in the fat, an awful lot of them. So if you go on a diet, you start, your body produces acetone and it melts the fat and your body eats the fat. The body eats itself. Mm -hmm. So when you go on a diet, you eat all your fat, which is full of toxins. So you'll get a screaming leaky gut headache, but it's not from leaky gut. Oh, that's it, what they call ke that's a ketosis flu that people are talking well, about. Well, I call it metabolic toxemia because it's coming from your metabolism, 
not from the leaky gut. It's exactly the same as leaky gut. So now you're taking your garlic, you feel great. You're taking your rice pudding, you feel great. You're doing everything we've talked about, and yet next week you get a headache. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's because you've lost weight. Yeah, because you're, eating, and the only you're way you, eating all the crap. and Yeah, yeah you, what you've got to do is put weight on to get the toxins back into the fat. That's the only way to escape the pain from metabolic toxemia. Yeah, but you should really you just plow you through that. Shouldn't you just power through the, the toxemia? No, no, it'll kill you. It'll strip all your nerves. It's so powerful, these toxins. We're not talking about a little bit of toxin. We're talking about really bad stuff. You know, if you get septicemia, you get bacteria, which kill you. <laughs> you go septic. Yeah, yeah. Well, toxemia is the same thing with toxins. It'll kill you. It's like snake venom. It affects your nervous system. You can't go, it's not something you can go through. I mean, you'll, you'll have to go through it for three days or a week, but if you try to go through that for two weeks or four weeks by trying to lose several stone over several months, you'll be dead. Yeah, but what about, so then what about the, how are you going to gain weight uh, without also increasing your leaky gut, right? No, no, you can have half a ton of rice pudding every day. Well, I guess, but I mean that... What other no, you have foods? to. You can't just live on a rice diet, I guess, to gain weight. No, you can. Yeah. Well, it's better than pain. Yeah. Oh, no, you must do. But once you've realized where the leaky gut's coming from, if you're getting leaky gut and you've done everything right, then obviously it's being caused by a different mechanism. And that's the one I've identified. Right. So, as I say, people can download these papers off my website, and this will give you a really good introduction to leaky gut. And it should save your life, hopefully. I had two colleagues at work. One died at 38, one died at 42. One was diagnosed as a heart attack. Well, of course it was a heart attack, but that's because his arteries were blocked. Right. His arteries were blocked because he had too much cholesterol. He had too much cholesterol because his nerves had been burned away with a leaky gut. And his brain was trying to produce more cholesterol to repair the myelin. And that was caused by irritable bowel, which was caused by either stress. In their case, it was stress from work. And that's what killed him. The other guy had a stroke. And that was caused by the leaky gut. So we're getting all these deaths, but they're being documented as something completely different. Right. And you go to the doctor, and they won't believe you. If you go in and say, look, I've got leaky gut, in Ireland, they laugh at you. They say, the first thing they say is, I'm very busy. Leaky gut is not recognized in Ireland. Close the door on your way out. Yeah, I'm sure, they, I'm sure they do the same thing here. I mean, that's the thing. They just, if this, it's stupid how they call it a heart attack when it's, it's obviously something caused that. But are, yeah. they, are they diagnosing this on autopsy, though, a lot, the leaky gut? Can they, are they starting to see that this is a reality, but you can't see it while you're living? No, no. <clears throat> They're not investigating it in any way at all. It's much more recognized in America than it is in Europe, for example, but even in America, they don't understand the mechanisms. These mechanisms I've described, I've discovered for myself. There was a, a website I saw in America. I can't think which one it was now. But the guy had taken the, the, the mechanism from irritable bowel to inflammation in the gut. And uh, inflammation, uh, he said that uh, the gut starts to leak and produces cytokines, which are a particular type of cell, which cause inflammation throughout the body. That's as far as he got with it. He never got onto the toxemia. And I don't know of anybody else who's identified the toxins. You see, I went to a specialist, a psychopath who was masquerading as a gastroenterologist at the local hospital. 
And uh, I said to him, you know, I think I've got leaky gut. And uh, once again, he said, close the door on your way out. I said, look, I've got, it's being caused by toxins. I said, can you tell me, uh, can you do a test for the toxins in my gut to find out which ones might be causing all this trouble? Then we can find like a snake venom. We can find an antidote for mm -hmm. it and, and neutralize the toxin. He said, you tell me the name of the toxin and I will test for it. Ah. <laughs> and this is what you're up against. Now, in one of the schematics, I've, uh, I've got the leaky gut paper in front of me here. In one, one of these schematics, I've actually listed, uh, this is what, as far as I went on it. Okay, you, one of the ways of recovering from leaky gut is identify the toxin and find an antidote. And in the paper, I say it's difficult and it's expensive because these are the toxins that could be present, that could be leaking through the gut, that could be giving you a headache and killing you. Indol, scarol, phenol, cresol, indican, sulfurated hydrogen, ammonia, histidine, murine, colin, muscaline, butric acid, urobilin, methyl, mercapitin. It goes on and on and on. There's hundreds of these toxins. And they can't tell which one it is unless you tell them which one's a test for. Hmm. That's brutal. So, well, I, I appreciate all the knowledge on this. I mean, I've, I've, I know people that have some of these problems. My girlfriend being one of them, I think she's... A lot, of, a lot of her symptoms and, and, you know, same with... I mean, Darren's got the allergies. Like, it's affecting a lot of people, so it's... It's just it's so hard to know these days because you hear about, oh, you should eat this, you should go on a ketosis diet, you should do this and that, and and uh, so many things seem to contradict uh, each other as well. Yeah, but once you, once you understand the mechanisms at play and how logical it is and how you've got to rebalance your gut, it all depends on how long you've had it and how much damage has happened to you while you've had it. And uh, if it's just allergies you've got, then... You've caught it in time. You're lucky. But I noticed uh, it was the inhaler. I once went to a specialist when I was about 25 years old, when I was in the Navy. And I said to the doctor, every time I go into the ship's bar where there's cigarette smoke, I get a pain in the, just below my neck in the muscles either side where my shoulder blades are. And he said, what's happening is, well, I went to the GP first, and he said, it's impossible. You can't get backache there. Anyway, I went to this specialist and he said, what's happening is the muscles in your back, you're allergic to cigarette smoke and the muscles in your back are pulling tight to try to close your throat and your nose off from the smoke. They're trying to protect you from the smoke and that's causing the muscles to ache in your back. And said, so then he did some allergy tests with a scratch and a needle and I was allergic to half a dozen things. They all came up in lumps and he put me on Intel inhaler. And I took seven inhalers away with me on board ship because I was going away for about a six-month trip. He said, take four puffs a day. And I was fine. Mm. When I went into the ship's bar, I didn't get a uh, backache. And I was, for all intents and purposes, the only difference I noticed was if I had a beer at night, I would get a nosebleed. Wow. And so what happened was then we, we, the ship arrived in Pakistan, off the coast of Pakistan, place called Karachi. <clears throat> and I went up on deck to check the radar scanner on, on the top of the ship. And as soon as I got out on deck, my eyes started streaming with water, which I've never experienced before. 
And I just happened to bump into the wife of the electrical officer who was on deck, and her eyes were streaming. And I, I said, what is it? She said, it's the pollen coming off the land from Pakistan, all those trees. It's the pollen. I've got hay fever, and I didn't have my jab before I came away. I said, but I've never had hay fever, and my eyes are streaming. And I realized it was the inhaler had made, given me hay fever, basically. And I stopped taking the inhaler at that time. Oh, and uh, what I did instead was I stayed away from the bar and I stayed away from cigarette smoke. <laughs> I stayed away from dust. Instead of using the inhaler to overcome dust and cigarette smoke and cats and all the rest of it, I avoided those things and I no longer needed the inhaler. I no longer became breathless. <laughs> Fascinating. So, yeah. I mean, there's no question whatsoever. And the, 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 the mechanism of our, how inhalers cause leaky gut is also in the paper. There's a page on that, shows you how it works. And it's very straightforward. But uh, I had a very bad leaky gut episode a week ago. I was in bed for three days under the sheets in pain. I won't tell you what I ate, but I had a very good idea that a particular food would make me better. So I tried it for a month and it worked. I didn't have to take the garlic for two weeks. So I was very encouraged by it. And, uh, okay, I'll tell you what it was. It was blue cheese. You shouldn't take blue cheese because it's got histamine in it. So it's something I've stayed away because of the histamine. But I read somewhere that his, uh, blue cheese contains penicillin, which is the raw product from which penicillin is made from. Penicillium, it's called. It's blue powder that they put in the cheese. <clears throat> and research has been done to show that people on this cheese had a stronger gut. Any blemishes in the gut that they could detect on a camera, a video capsule that you swallowed, disappeared after one month on the camera, after a month on this blue cheese, just two ounces a day, little square of cheese. So I thought, I'll try that. I'll give it a go. I've tried all sorts of things, and every time I've failed so far. Anyway, this blue cheese worked for a month, and I was very pleased, and I said to the wife, oh, I'm on one of the things with garlic, by the way. It will make you lose your sense of smell and taste. So I have no sense of smell anymore, no sense of taste. So just going back to the, uh, the uh, experiment with uh, the, the blue cheese, I thought I want to get off the garlic if possible to get my sense of smell and taste back. So I tried, and it worked. I only had to take the garlic every two weeks, and that allowed the smell and the, the taste to come back after about 12 days. Comes and it goes, you see. <sighs> anyway, the wife bought me some more cheese home, and I took it, and I got a headache. And I thought, hey, I don't like this. Could it be the blue cheese I had a couple of hours ago? Anyway, I dismissed it, and I tried it again. I said, well, how can it be the blue cheese? I had it for a month, and it was fine. And, of course, that particular packet of blue cheese was contaminated with yeast. It had mold on it as well as penicillin mold. It had yeast mold on it. Oh. And it, I noticed that because when I unpacked the cheese, it was slightly sweaty. It, wasn't, it didn't seem as fresh and clean and crisp as the packets had had the previous month. So that's what sent me to bed for three days in absolute pain last week. And I've only just got out over it yesterday. I was on rice pudding for three days. <clears throat> I've been on very uh, simple foods all week. And I'd say I'm just about over it today. I've had another dose of garlic today. So now I'm back on an even keel and I should be all right for a week. A friend of mine has recommended some garlic pills 
He said when he takes the pills, they seem to work for him, but he doesn't lose his sense of smell or taste. Now, I can't vouch for that, and he did mention one particular type of garlic pill, 1,400 milligram by a company called Nature's Best, which has one of the garlic ingredients in it, a special ingredient which is filtered out in many other garlic preparations. Oh, okay. But Nature's Best has got that ingredient retained in it, so it behaves like real garlic. So I'm going to try experimenting. I've ordered some. They're going to come next week. So I'm going to go off the regular garlic and try a couple of pills once a week. But uh, yeah, let, us, say, let, let us know how that goes. I mean, I'm going to link to all this stuff in the show notes as well. So for people to uh, to, to see these documents on there. And uh, it does that, sound okay. like it sounds like what my girlfriend has. She goes through these bouts of like major stomach pain, and then she has her heart rate goes up, and she that's has it, uh, she has all kinds of stuff like this going on, and it cycles. Yeah. And I don't know yeah. what causes it or what doesn't. It's, it's, it's the toxins affecting her thyroid, making her heart beat faster. Yeah, that's what that is. No question about it. I know a lot. Everybody I meet, I go out the door now. I look at people, and their eyes are puffed up, usually at the bottom. And I say, you've got leaky gut. I can tell them straight away just by looking at them. Hmm. Or I drive down the street and look in my rearview mirror. I see people mopping up the tears with their finger in their eyes. Their eyes are streaming in the morning going to work. And they're mopping them up. They don't know they've got leaky gut. they got the doctor. They give them antihistamines. And it's daft things like that which kill them. Yeah, we're still so far away from our medical system being able to, to, to test all this, right? The problem is, is, you know, people that have these chronic issues, they go in and out, in and out, in and out, and there's never really any uh, resolve. It's just masking the symptoms and take this uh, this pill or that pill. I mean, it's a constant, it's just a revolving door. The doctors are killing us if you let them. As I say, I take my wife with me whenever I go to the GP as a witness. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Because, you know, the reason I did it was, in the old days, I'd come home, and I'd say, well, what did she say? What did the doctor say? Well, she said, I'm fine. She said, but you're not. (laughs) I know that, and you know that, but she's done her tests. She tested for this. And my view is, what happens is they do some tests. They say, well, I'll do a blood test, and I'll do this. When I asked the guy for uh, penicillin all those years ago when I went to Mexico, he said, here's what I'll do. We'll do a blood test. If there's an infection in the blood... I'll give you penicillin, amoxicillin, as you request, and that will get rid of the infection. Do you agree if there's no infection, antibiotics will not work? Because antibiotics will not work on a virus. So you can see his logic, can't you? Yeah. So I agreed with him. I said, okay, I'll do a blood test. He said, come back in a week, and I couldn't because I'd die. So I went to Mexico and got the antibiotics and came back. But I kept my appointment to see what the blood test said. He said, there is no infection in the blood. Well, now I know why. The infection's in my gut. Mm. <laughs> when I take the penicillin, it kills the bugs, and I get better. They're not in the bloodstream. The bugs are in my gut, my small intestine. It's a colony of bugs in there. They only discovered Helicobacter pylori 12 years ago or thereabouts. That was bacteria that live in the stomach and cause stomach ulcers. A guy called, I think it was Barry Marshall in Australia, he had a hunch that stomach ulcers were caused by bacteria. So he sucked out the stomach acid from his patients with a tube and swallowed it. And he gave himself stomach ulcers, <laughs> which, proved, which proved they were caused by bacteria in the gut. And they, up until that point, conventional wisdom was that bugs, bugs could not live in the hydrochloric acid of the stomach. Right, right. 
but now they accept they can. So now they treat ulcers with antibiotics and vitamins because antibiotics destroy vitamins, so you've got to have the vitamins at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And this is one of the things with uh, leaky gut. You've got to be you know, careful about supplementation because you'll need... Some people need supplementation, some don't. On balance, you've got to watch it because although you might need calcium, if you take calcium and magnesium, it goes through the leaky gut, into the bloodstream, and forms concrete in the arteries. That's why they couldn't get the stent in my artery. I had so much calcium and magnesium that it combined with the cholesterol and you, you, you have big lumps of concrete in the veins. And they can't get the stent in to open it up. It's solid. So although you might need calcium or magnesium or zinc, they, all these vitamins and minerals, they all interact with each other. For example, if you take zinc, it will destroy calcium and magnesium. And you need zinc to repair the nerves. So I needed zinc to repair the nerves because they've been damaged with myelin. But if I took zinc, it damaged the magnesium and the calcium. So I had to take magnesium and calcium. But magnesium and calcium de destroy zinc. Magnesium destroys calcium, calcium destroys magnesium. So you've got all of these different minerals destroying each other. It's like trying to get a table with five legs steady instead of a wonky table. If you take a piece off one leg, it's wonky. And so you take another piece off the other leg and that goes wonky. And you can't get the table to be exact. And that's what it's like with all these minerals. You have to be very careful of them. But just going back to that saliva test, it costs about... In the UK, it's about 140 quid, which is about 200 US dollars. But that will tell you your cortisol level. <clears throat> it's a very, very good test. And I know it's good. I won't go into why, but I know it's very sensitive and it's very, very good. Because when I was dying, it showed it was I was dying from it. I've heard about that test before, that it's good from other biohackers and stuff. So yeah. Fantastic. Now, what it does is, if you're stressed, you produce more cortisol to relieve the stress. And it's like driving your car. What happens is if, you start drive, if you're stressed up and you start driving your body at 100 miles an hour, your body produces more cortisol to cope with the stress. It's like putting more oil in the engine, if you like, to cope with the speed. But if you put, drive your car at 100 miles an hour for too long, it will cope with it, but it'll, eventually it will blow up. And if you drive your body under stress, for too long, you will produce more cortisol to cope with it, but then your adrenals will pack up. They'll just stop producing cortisol because they're worn out. The engine's like blowing the engine up. So the cortisol will tell you two things. You produce cortisol in the morning from about 5 o'clock in the morning till 7. Mm -hmm. So it depends on your biorhythms and your body rhythms and the melatonin and everything else. You produce the cortisol at that time. You produce enough cortisol to last you till about 8 o'clock at night. And the cortisol is a wake-me-up hormone. As well as the anti-stress hormone, it's a wake-me-up hormone. Yeah. So you produce it. You should have a full dose at 7 in the morning. By lunchtime, half of it's been used up. By 4 p.m., half of the half, a quarter of it, has been used up. And by 8 o'clock, it's all gone. So it's an exponential decrease. If you eat more carbohydrates you use it up more quickly. So if you, have, if you have carbohydrates for lunch, you'll feel sleepy because the carbohydrates will use up the cortisol because cortisol is used in converting carbohydrates into sugar. Oh. 
okay? So you'll get tired. So if you eat potatoes, rice isn't so bad for me enough because even a bowl of rice is only an ounce of rice or two ounces. The real buster is mashed potatoes. You get a plate full of mash and you'll wake up thirsty because cortisol produces uh, adrenaline and adrenaline and histamine are supposed to balance the body and the hormones in the body. So what will happen is it affects the ADH hormone and uh, the other hormones which regulate the water balance in your body together with the potassium mm. and the salt. Mm. So <clears throat> if you eat too much carbohydrates, you'll drain your adrenals and you can die because you'll have no, A, you'll have no anti-inflammatory mechanism because you know, you're going to shock if you get injured. You see, what happens is, if you, if you have too much, uh, in the paper, in one of the pages in the paper, it shows you how the adrenaline works and uh, how the cortisol works. Mm -hmm. And you can have high adrenaline and low... If you look at the possibilities... You can have high adrenaline and high cortisol. You can have high adrenaline and low cortisol. You can have low adrenaline, low cortisol, and low adrenaline, high cortisol. Mm -hmm. Those are the only possibilities. And those two hormones activate the immune system. So if you get injured, you've got high adrenaline for a start because you go into a panic. And what that does is if you get injured, if somebody runs at you with a knife or a gun, your brain tells you to run away. Mm -hmm. Now, if you just had a meal, you can't run because you're sluggish. So the adrenaline floods your bowels and you go to the toilet and get rid of everything. That allows you to run away. So you need adrenaline if you're in a, 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 a bad situation. If you get stabbed, you need anti-inflammatory properties. So you need cortisol. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to get stabbed or shot, you should produce adrenaline or cortisol or both to, to get rid of, to help you to run and recover and to reduce the inflammation. So this mechanism, the cortisol and the adrenaline, may only give you the, for example, you might run away, but not, if, it's, uh, if somebody jumped out from a fence behind a fence and gives you a fright, you'll get the adrenaline and run away, but the immune system won't kick in and you don't want it to kick in. You don't want to start producing white blood cells and anti-inflammatory stuff because you don't want stuff like that. Cortisol, the immune system causes damage to your body. That's how it works. If you imagine, but it's not very clever. It's very unintelligent. It might seem clever, but it's very unintelligent. It's like trying to shoot a rat in a dark room with a shotgun. That's how your immune system behaves. If you're in a dark room with a shotgun and a rat, you can't see the rat, so you have to shoot all over the place. And the walls finish up covered in shot marks. <laughs> the same thing happens with your immune system. Your immune system doesn't know if you've been stabbed. It doesn't know if you've got polio. It doesn't know if you've got smallpox. So it sends out loads of white cells it sends out cortisol, anti-inflammatory, and it's the immune system, the white cells attack everything that moves. If it's cauliflower in the bloodstream, it will attack the cauliflower. If it's cabbage, it will attack the cabbage. All it knows is it shouldn't be there, 
and attack it. Now, that's a very primitive kind of immune system. So the immune system itself causes inflammation, just like the gunshot causes damage to the walls. When you get a sore throat, the soreness doesn't come from the virus. The soreness comes from all the white cells kicking hell out of your throat. The cortisol, yeah. See? It's all the white cells causing damage to your throat that gives you the sore throat. Now, what happens is when the virus is gone, the inflammation, no more cortisol is required because the inflammation goes away. The hypothalamus senses there's no more inflammation. The cortisol reduces and the body gets back into balance. But during the crisis, the body manages itself by using, as I say, adrenaline and cortisol. So if you start eating mashed potato and soaking up the cortisol, or if you start gambling all night, not getting enough sleep and upsetting your biorhythms, you'll get stressed and you'll have a nervous breakdown and your adrenals will pack up and you'll start getting thirsty all the time, especially when you eat carbohydrates. So to get better, you can lay off the carbohydrates. Another thing is a trick you can try. You can put some... You can put some... uh, Cortisol cream. Oh, they don't call it cortisol. What do they call cortisone, it? Cortisone, I think. Cortisone. Hydrocortisone cream. Yeah. Uh, synthetic cortisol. Yeah. You can put a teardrop of that onto your skin and rub it in. Yeah. And that will allow your adrenals to rest for a few months. Huh. You do that every day in the morning. Where do you, where do you put it? Well, I put it on, on my forearm arm yeah. and rub it in with one hand and another teardrop full. Just one little teardrop full on the, other, on the other arm and rub it in. But you rub it in a different place every day. Otherwise, it'll thin, thin out the skin. It has an effect on the skin, a side effect. It thins out the skin yeah. and turns it white as well. Yeah. That's what Michael Jackson used to put on his face. Huh. Now, you don't want to use hydrocortisone cream at the wrong time of day. I put some on as an experiment at 4 p.m. And I was in bed for a week with flu. So you're saying put it on in the morning? You've got to put it on in the morning, because if you put it on in the afternoon, your brain says, I can see cortisol in the afternoon. Where is it coming from? Have I been stabbed? Have I caught pneumonia? Have I got smallpox? Activate the immune system. And I was in bed for a week. I I thought I had flu. Shivering and shaking, I I put a lot of cortisol cream on, by the way, which I shouldn't have done, but it was an experiment, so I wanted to find out just how it would affect me. But I learned that, A, you can't put much on because it will activate the immune system. This is how I worked out the cortisol-adrenaline mechanism from experiments on myself. Hmm, yeah. And uh, Are you into the rest of the biohacking stuff then? Like, have you, ta- have you ever, um, or what about other detoxes and, and supplementation? Like, there's a a heavy metal detox called cytodetox that is supposed to really bind bind all these heavy metal toxins. And will, would that help with some of the other toxins have you found? And also about, you know, supplements like uh, nicotinamide riboside, or which help produce NAD in your, in your system. Like, have you been following any of that stuff? What I've done is I tried natural chelates. That's, uh, that's uh, chemicals that attach to toxins and take them out of the body. Yeah, yeah. Like and that, that was... 
Yeah, zinc and magnesium. That's why I went on the zinc and the magnesium. Yeah, yeah. One of the reasons. But then I had to go on the calcium because the magnesium destroys yes. calcium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you haven't got enough calcium, you won't make ACTH in the brain, yeah. the adrenal hormone, which means you won't make adrenaline or cortisol. Yeah. So you've got to be very careful with these supplements. Yeah. What I did find was... So I wouldn't recommend that route. The only thing I found which was good, which I wouldn't do again, but I was dying at the time in a bad way. Somebody suggested calcium bentonite, and it worked. I put it in my mouth, and four hours later, all the toxins had gone. But when I woke up next morning, I couldn't walk. I had to crawl to the bathroom because the calcium had destroyed all the magnesium in my body. Mm. It's a special... Calcium bentonite comes from a place in America, North America. They dig it up and refine it, and it's a form of calcium, but it, it does bind to toxins. But, of course, if you're going to take a spoonful, which is what I did, <laughs> you really need a spoonful of magnesium. Yeah. And, it's, and then you need zinc. So unless you're on death's door, I wouldn't try calcium bentonite again. Once I couldn't walk that day, I got out of bed and crawled to the bathroom, I realized that the calcium must have destroyed the magnesium and my bones couldn't carry me anywhere. So I had some magnesium and I came back to normality. But, uh, and, and I stayed alive, so it got me through the crisis. It got me through that particular episode. But now I know how to handle a leaky gut episode, and that is garlic straight away, three, three days rice pudding, grin and bear the pain. Yeah, that's the only way you can do it. But it gets less and less as you go on, right? Like the the pain uh, from the garlic. Once you, if you take your garlic once a week or once every five days, you won't get any pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be on top of the bacteria. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. And then it's just a question of rebalancing the gut slowly yeah. through rice pudding for a while, then a vegetarian diet for a while, and then gently get back into soups and that. You got to watch it with the yeast. The yeast is the number one killer whether it's in blue cheese, whether it's on an apple or a pear, whether it's... Uh, it's in dairy, soap, it's in, dairy stuff. It's in soup. It's in oxo cubes, stock cubes. It's in uh, chocolate, some chocolate. Cadbury's milk chocolate has... Uh, sorry, has gluten in it, not yeast. Yeah, right. Uh, wheat, wheat. Yeah, wheat. Uh, we have uh, some oven-ready potato... We call them chips. I think you call them French fries. Yeah, yeah. They're coated in wheat to stop them going black. Yeah. You've got to be very careful with the wheat, the gluten, and the yeast. The <sighs> yeast especially. The yeast is a killer. And it, you've got to watch where it, it, biscuits, where they've been used in baking, bread, biscuits, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. you need is rice-based cooking. What, what about fish? Everything... Like what, about, what about some seafood with healthy fatty acids and, and oils and, and uh, DHA? I mean, I've been yeah. hearing from some people that DHA is like one of the most important things that our body needs, like at the, at the base level of anything that for energy yeah. it needs DHA. And along with light, yeah. proper light, like UV, yeah. UV light yeah. instead of blue light and, and structured water, like the, these are the yeah. most important yeah. critical things. Yeah, fresh water, no chlorine, uh, sunlight for vitamin D, but not too much. It's not good. Too much is not good for you. Uh, calcium to soak up the vitamin D. Uh, tinned uh, sardines are very good because they've got vitamin D from the fish and calcium from the bones. And lots of DHA, sardines. Yeah, lots of DHA from the oily fish. We have lots of fish, fresh fish. 
an awful lot. So fish and uh, rice would be really good to have. Fish and rice, fish that's and rice. it. Soak up, soak up the fluid. Fish and rice. No wine ever. It's got histamine in it. Yeah, but the uh, reser- reservatrol is supposed to be really good from the wine, right? This is people. Are... No, I, t- I tried that. Made me very, very ill. Mm. So I wouldn't recommend it for anybody else. I tried all sorts of things from homeopathic doctors. Nothing worked. They just made me iller and iller and iller. So, as I say, uh, the garlic will will put a lid on whatever you've got and keep you alive. Yeah. yeah. So then you're just going to be a little bit antisocial because it stinks (laughs) and you can't smell or taste anything. (laughs) But you'll be alive and you'll be fine. You'll be perfectly healthy as long as you don't have yeast, as I say. Yeast is a really big one. That'll it's like a bomb going off inside you. So you've got to make sure check every label, and don't have uh, wheat for thickener in anything. Everything you can make with wheat, you can make with rice flour, biscuits, right. cakes, yeah. anything. Your life can be quite normal. Yeah. My wife's a wonderful cook. She does everything. We don't we don't miss out on anything. Well, it is getting easier and easier because more and more people are, are, you know, they have that celiacs and they're gluten intolerant and, and the wheat uh, the wheat and the yeast. I mean, that's becoming very trendy and popular to, to try those diets, right? The ketosis diet is, I, mean, so I know so many people now that are on this ketonic diet where it's really just meat and vegetables and no, you know, no bad carbs at all. Well, <clears throat> yeah, but... Uh... Don't forget rice pudding's carb, and you're, right. you're going to need that. Yeah, you're yeah, going to yeah, need that. Yeah. It's, it's essentially, you know, it does work. And I've, I've met people with multiple sclerosis who are doing what I'm recommending now, and they're better. Okay, that's good to know too, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, thanks so much for getting all, all uh, you know, personal and, and talk about your own biohacking and stuff. I really appreciate it. That's okay. And as I say, have a look at the papers on my website, the leaky gut uh, uh, schematics yeah, and yeah. the treatment. Yeah. And it's very straightforward for everybody to understand, hopefully. Yeah. 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 No, it's very good. Very visual. I'll put, I'll put all that in the show notes for sure. I do want to ask you one thing to take up just two, two minutes of your time now. And because we, we talked about so much of that uh, electricity and magnetism and, and the evolution part and the voltage in, in our cells, we did this episode with uh, James Brown, who talks about uh, the electrified Egyptians. And I know you've studied so much of you know, ancient cultures in the past, but he talks about how when you, when he, when you really look at the hieroglyphs with a fresh pair of eyes and not with this uh, mainstream narrative in your mind about the ridiculous meanings that they have to all these hieroglyphs, you can really tell that the Egyptians were doing something with electricity and sperm. Have you ever yes. heard about that at all? Uh, not particularly electricity and sperm, but it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me because what I've discovered is uh, Tutankhamun was Jesus, a reincarnation of Jesus. In fact, I've come up with 12 previous reincarnations of Jesus all the way back to Krishna of of India. And Lord Krishna uh, goes back as far as 2500 BC. And he was known as uh, Krishna or the Christ, the anointed one. Uh, He had many reincarnations and he came back as Buddha, Lord Buddha. And whenever we get these People like Lord Buddha, Krishna, Tutankhamun was another one in Egypt, right. and the people who built the pyramids in Egypt before Tutankhamun. Yeah. And uh, 
Lord Paykal of the Maya, he was Jesus. He tells us he was Jesus. If you look at Future Science, the, the second part of the book, Future Science, shows pictures of Jesus and pictures of God from different incarnations. All of these ancient civilizations worship the sun, and they, all of my information that I've got on God and the devil and hormones and all stuff like that came from ancient civilizations. They were much more switched on them than we are right, because right. Jesus could produce miracles. He was a miracle maker. All of these, I call them super gods. I actually wrote a book in, uh, that would be 1997, called The Super Gods, which was a top 10 bestseller in the UK. And that, uh, at that time, identified about six reincarnations of Christ. But uh, he came back many times, because this is hell. We're living in hell. This is actually purgatory. And, uh, you know, we can reincarnate 3,740 years. Some people we meet, some human beings, their soul is 100,000 years old. Some people are only as old as their body, their souls. And those guys have that higher voltage level, so when they when they pass away, that whole voltage level stays the same instead of shattering into you know a million pieces or whatever and, and turning exactly. into bugs. But they stay and get incarnated in the next uh, you know human for and then and then they become another enlightened being and they build on that voltage again. And oh yeah, we do that. We keep going up the hierarchy, if you like, over and yeah. over again. Yeah. If we're good and we love each other. But of course, once you get, it's like being in an elevator. And this is a problem. If you're in an ele elevator on the ground floor, you might go up to the sixth floor of a 100-floor building. <clears throat> and then you might go up to floor 12 and then back down to the floor 3. Well, reincarnation is like that. Right. You see, right. this is why it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the king of heaven. That's what Jesus says. And so what happens is, Rich men come back as poor men, poor men come back as rich men, men come back as women, women come back as men, black people come, come back as white people, white come uh, black, fat come back as thin, thin as fat. There's this uh, mechanism of in inverse transmigration of the soul. So this is why a bull comes back as a cow and so on. So if you're rich, what happens is, if you're rich, you... Uh, Abuse other people, if you like. You don't listen to them. You have slaves, you have workers, you have cooks and cleaners and things like that. And you boss them around and kick them. And uh, so during your lifetime, your voltage goes down. So you can't go to heaven if you're rich. But if you're the cleaner, cleaning the floor, getting kicked in the face and kicked in the backside, you question why you're being kicked. And you're, you, you develop empathy and love for other people. You would never hurt somebody else because you know what it's like to be hurt. So your voltage goes up. Yeah. So you go to heaven. But you've got to go up to like the 100th floor. It's like up and down in the elevator for 100,000 years without getting to the top floor where the helicopter is. Yeah. It's only when you get to the 100th floor you can get in the helicopter and go to heaven. Right. And it's like that being in a human body, you can come back, you know, rich guys will come back as five volt bodies, five volt bodies will come back as 10 volt bodies, and so on. So it doesn't surprise you that the ancient Egyptians could have had some way to increase the electrification of the sperm, really? And do something. It didn't surprise me yeah. at all because yeah. they were miracle makers. They've told us they were miracle makers because yeah. they built the pyramids. And Jesus could walk on water and he could t heal the sick with his bare hands. Now, it wouldn't surprise me. I've not found any evidence in my research. I did the Tutankhamun prophecies in 1999, mm -hmm. and that involved a great deal of research on, on the Egyptians. And whilst I reached the conclusion that Tutankhamun was a reincarnation of Jesus and that all of the treasures in his tomb are encoded and convey messages, tell us how to get to heaven and so on. 
and they tell us, just like all of the other civilizations, like the Mayas, the Incas, the Mochica of Peru, the ancient Chinese, the Celtic people of Europe, all of these people, they all had Jesus as a leader in different incarnations at different times in history. And it's interesting because I met a guy once giving a lecture, and he'd reached the same conclusion as I did in a different way, Hmm. that Tutankhamun must have been Jesus. Hmm. And so he looked at the Bible, and he looked at the dates, and he said, well, hang on a minute. Tutankhamun was born in 1353 BC, and uh, Jesus arrived in zero BC. So all of the dates in the Bible must be wrong. So he subtracted 1,353 years off every date in the Bible to get him back to Tutankhamun's time. Because he was convinced Tutankhamun was Jesus. Did that work it out? Never occurred to, it never occurred to him that Tutankhamun may have died and reincarnated right. 1,353 years later. That, that wasn't on his horizon, on his radar. So he didn't reach the same conclusion as me, because when I did the Mayan prophecies, the treasures of Lord Paykal and his tomb at Palenque told us quite categorically that he was born before in Peru on two occasions, as Viracocha mm-hmm. in AD 350 and Viracocha Pachacamac in AD 500. <laughs> and it show, and the, the fact is, the bones of Lord Paykal were found in his tomb in Mexico in the Pyramid of Inscriptions. In AD 750, uh, that's when he was buried. They were dug up in, uh, when was that? 1952, they actually opened the tomb. Mm. And the bones of Viracocha Pachacamac and Viracocha were found in the pyramid tombs in Peru. And the bones of Tutankhamun were wrapped up in his mummy, in his own tomb in the Valley of the Kings. So it can't be the same bloke. (laughs) It's got to be reincarnations. Yeah. And they all brought the same message over and over again, which is what we've been talking about tonight. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for just enjoying that or uh, entertaining that possibility. And I really appreciate having you on, Maurice. It's been great. great. Um, That's okay. Yeah, I'm going to link to everything in the show notes. And uh, yeah, keep in touch, and maybe we'll have you on again sometime. Okay, great. Let me have your phone number just in case I have to get a hold of you. Send me an email. Yep, for sure. Yep, contact we'll, details yep. and uh, maybe a full postal address as well. Yeah, for sure. We'll do that. We'll send you all that. Uh, I'm definitely getting into this health and wellness type thing as well. And I'm really interested okay. in the biohacking that you've been doing. So it's, uh, it's just fascinating to me as you get deeper and deeper, but it gets pretty, pretty confusing as well. So I really appreciate all your, all your uh, personal experimentation with everything. That's okay. And if you have any questions, feel free to ask them. Great. Thanks a lot, Maurice. Take God care. bless. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. That was our chat with Maurice Cotterell. Yeah. You had to finish up on your own. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. What happened? I figured, oh, that was the afternoon one and the, the power went out and then the, the babysitter came and everything was, and we started late to begin with. Actually, we didn't right. even think there was going to be a show. That seems to happen every once in a while with guests from across the pond. That's right. We started late and then my babysitter just ran out of time. So I had to go. You wound it up. It was only about what half hour forty five. Yeah, it was it was good, but we were on the leaky gut stuff anyway. So you have to listen back to that. There, yeah, it was pretty interesting because. Uh, but I was kind of conf- I don't know. I'm kind of confused. I'm conflicted about it. I don't really know what to believe about uh, the difference between. 
leaky gut and all this other shit that's causing all these autoimmune disorders and all this all this stuff it's just it's just so crazy i feel like i feel like we've just been in these toxins for decades and now it's finally starting to affect us like it's been generations Probably. Like they say that the the lead poisoning that we get, it comes through generation after generation. It's in your DNA. Yeah, pretty much. So Big thanks to Maurice for coming on the show. We're going to have to have him back. I mean, that was three hours. We could do we could do three hours every six months. With that. What did he, yeah. when I booked him, he recommended we do 12 hours total over the... <laughs> did he really? Yeah. That was pretty funny. He's like, I, re I recommend 12 hours to get through that. <laughs> So we've done three. He said in 12 one-hour increments, and then we just went, bam, did three hours. So he must have yeah. liked us. Yeah. Funny how that happens. Uh, yeah. Sometimes people yeah. Just, well, if you just let people talk and don't interrupt them, they're just willing to just keep going. Yeah. Even with your power yeah. failure. Yeah. Big yeah. thanks to Maurice for coming on the show. Uh, check out at grammarica.ca slash support, of course, for all the different ways you can help keep us having these long, uninterrupted chats without any bullshit in the beginning or at the end. Uh, spam gram. Sign up for the newsletter, review the show, all of which you can do by just going to the show notes. Right now, go to the show notes and do one thing this episode and one thing next episode and so on and so forth until you're done. You only have to do these things once and you're good to go. Yep, thanks. Unless you get a new credit card, then you have to sign up again. If you got a new credit card, sign up again. You might have to check your subscription because sometimes people fall off and I don't yeah. know if it's because they hate us or because they got a new credit card. Yeah, but the, the regular donations really help. Oh yeah, they're the best. You guys are tops. So, thanks for listening, guys. Anything else? That's it. Alright, we'll see you guys next week. From this distant vantage point, the Earth might not seem of any particular interest. But for us, it's different. Consider again that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you've ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering. Thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines. Every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there of dust suspended in a sunbeam.
says red and one says blue. But if it's balls, it just won't do. America, 